save the world and create chimeric monsters <laughs> in the process. The world is getting crazier. People are acting more and more insane. The end of the world is tomorrow. 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 There's only one thing to do when the world is falling apart. Listen to Basil and Gons as they discuss this week's news and events through the lens of Bible prophecy. You are listening to Canary Cry News Talk. You're listening to Canary Cry News Talk. Today is September 28th, 2020. This is episode 248. And today, the demonic dogfight. And I didn't leave my heart in San Francisco, but I am your best buddy, Basil. Weird. And this is Gons. Welcome to the podcast where we love Jesus, we love you, and we're learning to love ourselves. But more importantly, we're exposing the wiles of the devil while working super, super hard learning how to love our enemies. So hard. So hard to do. Oh my gosh. You're having a hard time. It's just a hard time. It's like three, four episodes in a row. <laughs> Is there an enemy we need to know about? Do we need to tell Flippy, the uh, security Flippy, our Canary Cry <laughs> branded security Flippy to uh, take somebody out for you? The security Flippy going to cuff me and football tackle yeah. me? Yeah. Take me yeah, to custody? Gonna, <laughs> for no reason. Yeah. I'll scream. That's the it's the world we live in, Gonzo. Well, I'll just start out with uh, a little bit of personal news. I know everybody, I got a lot of uh, very, very nice um, concerned messages regarding Monty the Third, the cat, the kitten who uh, had a near death experience during his neutering um, for a few days. I mentioned on the last episode, he was. He's a little derpy, kind of running into walls. We didn't know if he was going to recover. We thought this was just the way he was going to be. But he's back. He's feeling good. He hasn't good. run into a wall for about a day or so. He's <laughs> back to his own, his old crazy shenanigans. So do not fear. Uh, the cat has recovered. I like how that's the measuring measurement of how he's, <laughs> he hasn't run into a wall. So he's good. Yeah, yeah. So there we go. But thank you for for all the prayers and well wishes. Um, he's he's gonna be fine. All right, good stuff. Well, we got a lot what to get I? into. Oh, uh, you don't have any personal news, huh? Give the people an no. update about Gonzo Land. <laughs> your your new branded <laughs> theme park that you just opened. Oh, it's terrifying. Scary place. Okay. You don't want to go there. Oh, that's not very good <laughs> PR, but okay, man. However you want to run your business. Yeah. Oh, there's not much going on. I mean, just life getting ready for the baby. It's uh, the October surprise. You know, uh, I, I don't want oh, any surprises, yeah. actually. I, I want things to uh, be as normal as possible for personal reasons. I don't need yeah. surprise on in the baby front. Well, but, uh, yeah, no personal uh, October surprises. Yes, but that would be. We nice. can almost guarantee there will be some sort oh. of October surprise. Oh, I'm yeah, I'm sure there'll be multiple. But uh, okay, yeah. All right. Well, let's just jump right into it with a flippy update. Flippy update. Do you want fries with that? Time for the flippy update. If this is your first time listening to the show. Let me explain. Flippy is the colloquial name for the disembodied robot arms that are taking our jobs, enslaving our children, and 
flirting with our spouses. We use Flippy as a, uh, a proxy conversation to talk about how robotics and AI and all those scary things are worming their ways into our lives. And there's nothing we can do about it, folks, except uh, train in anti-robotics combat. I think that's actually, that might be a decent uh, business idea, decent exit strategy. Um just a, a gym specifically designed an anti-robot <laughs> combat. Yeah, we'll just hire and buy a whole bunch of robots to fight against, yeah. to train. Yeah, then, different uh, kinds. You yeah. know, you, got, you have a drone robot. You got your basic uh, boxing robot. You got a, you got a flippy, uh, not a flippy. Well, yeah, you got a flippy, one disembodied <laughs> robot arm. <laughs> Um, the spot, the, the Amazon robot dog, you got to learn how to take those things out. Did you see that footage of somebody that they were in the car or something and they saw one of those dogs on the street and it came up Mm -hmm. to them and like kind of looked at them and then like some lights flashed and then they kept walking. Creepy. But that's super creepy. Oh, I was like, wow, this is, this is not You have been registered. Yeah, yeah. You threat, no threat detected. <laughs> yeah, darn it. We're, bust Damn. out your threat card. No threat. All right, I'm coming from Vox.com here. The article is titled, Amazon's Surveillance Cameras Fly Now, which is unsettling. I like this. Vox is on the level now. <laughs> um, Amazon has announced a new way for consumers to surveil their own homes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. That should be in quotes. Yeah. <laughs> Air quotes. Surveil your own home. Right. Uh, a camera equipped drone that connects to Ring security systems. Ring, which Amazon owns, has a history of enabling enabling controversial levels of surveillance in homes and neighborhoods. So the addition of a flying camera that can venture into new nooks and crannies is, at best, unsettling. The Ring. Always home cam is designed to fly around different areas of someone's home every so often, capturing footage before landing back in its dock. The device is meant to stay indoors and fly autonomously based on pre-programmed flight paths that navigate between the walls of a house. I'm glad it's between the walls of a house. Uh, A Ring spokesperson told Recode, the announcement comes after Amazon last year won a patent for a home surveillance drone. It's also worth mentioning that Federal Communications Commission, the FCC, has not yet authorized the sale of this device. Amazon says its new Ring surveillance drone is scheduled to go on sale in 2021 for $249 once FCC authorization is obtained. And the company says it built in the product with, quote, privacy see in mind i like that our surveillance drone was built with privacy in mind pr something about that doesn't sit right but okay in a live blog a live blog of the virtual announcement event amazon said the always home cam quote only records when in flight when it is not in use it sits in a dock and the camera is physically blocked the the company added that the drone is quote loud enough so you can hear it when it's in motion this is illustrated in a promotional video from the ring that shows a hypothetical robbery in which a burglar breaks into a man's room while the man is not home the drone then chases off the burglar while the man anxiously watches the action through a smartphone app 
Are you playing this video on the stream? Yeah, I have a couple times, but doing it again for those viewers. Okay, I'm going to play it for me because you guys got to watch this video. There's just so much wrong with it. Let me turn off the sound here. So you got this uh, this burglar coming in. It sets off a ring uh, door uh, alarm thingy. Then this drone pops out and zooms into the room and looks at the burglar, who looks like a mixture of constipated and confused, and then just immediately runs out the door. And this doesn't ring true to me. Ring, if I was that burglar... Oh, good one, me. Uh, if, you know, if any burglar sees this, he's not going to run away. He's just going to, oh, I don't know, swat the drone away <laughs> with one hand and continue robbing your home. Uh, but at least you have a picture of him. I hope he's not wearing a mask or else this is completely useless. Moving on. On its face, the new Ring drone might seem neat and futuristic, but it also serves as a reminder of the company's checkered history with privacy and surveillance. Ring has long faced intense criticism over its existing security products, and those concerns only grow after Amazon acquired the company for $1 billion in 2018. One particularly sensitive issue is the Ring's vast and somewhat secretive network of police partnerships which allow law enforcement to request footage collected by Ring cameras. Ring's, neighbor, uh, Ring's Neighbors app has also been accused of exacerbating racism and capitalizing on fear of crime. Meanwhile, many, including some members of Congress, are worried that the company will soon incorporate facial recognition into the Ring platform. Yikes. Quote, yeah, the introduction of a roving drone security camera inside your home potentially upends the idea of the... Whoa. Upends the idea of the very idea. Whoa. An idea within an idea. We've got nice. droneception gone. <laughs> droneception. I like that. <laughs> Let me start that over. The introduction of a roving drone security camera inside your own home potentially upends the idea of the very idea of home as a private place. Matthew Goriglia, a policy analyst at the Electronic Frontier Foundation, told Recode in an email, quote, Amazon's new products certainly have the potential to extend what was already an invasive surveillance system into the realm of the absurd <laughs> i think that's really well put this is getting absurd while a ring spokesperson told recode that the always home camera footage cannot be requested by police amazon has not made a formal commitment not to allow police to request the footage in the future the announcement of the Ring drone arrives at a time when Amazon is also attempting to expand its products' functionality in private and public spaces with an update to its Sidewalk projects. As Amazon explains on its website, Sidewalk aims to create a shared network that blah, blah, blah. We don't care about your other stuff, Amazon. This was, uh, a, I think absurd is great because it is like spooky and not okay, but it's also just an absurd conglomeration of like all the threats yeah. um, and don't do not forget they did not mention it in this article up until when I quit reading it um, but do not forget that ring has a history of also being hacked yeah. and uh, you know individual hackers being able to see through your cameras and control your cameras oh which is great in this case because now not only can a hacker see through the rest of the cameras in your house but he can take control of this little drone and go find you hiding 
in your closet or wherever. Wherever you think you're pr- you actually have privacy in your home, now you have this little uh, autonomous drone that can come find you. Um, but yeah. it really is a combination of a lot of stuff that we keep our eyes on. This is like the pinnacle of uh, concern. You've got drone technology, you've got AI technology, you've got surveillance technology, and uh, I don't know, all wrapped up into Amazon, who is notoriously, you know, not cool about uh, privacy and working with police, et cetera, et cetera. But this is a great step into the future where, you know, let's just say that Amazon does have partnerships with police. Uh, you know, there could you could imagine a world where police, you know, maybe with a subpoena, maybe with whatever, or maybe not, could just take control of the little drone, uh, just and control it and go look around in your house if they had a reason to do that. Um, yeah. So yeah, you know, not the, good. <laughs> the advertisement is so funny because. This burglar sees a drone. He's like, oh no. And he runs away. This thing's like, what, a few ounces? I mean, yeah. couldn't you swat it or something? I mean, it's really well, not that much of a threat. No, <laughs> I know. What I, said. I know. They're but, overestimating yeah, I get that. this burglar's uh, desire to not be seen. Yeah. And the other part of it is you know, people are going to say it's not enough to just see the burglar. We want something that'll you know, shoot at them or something like that. We- weaponize. Yeah, weaponize this, this little drone. <laughs> and then, uh, remember, Obama told us. Drone strikes have saved lives. You know, drones, <laughs> they have saved lives, Basil. So, uh, you know, yes, I trust yes, Obama. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we all know you do. Um, this Someone's is fun. I mean, that. it's a fun idea. If I was like, uh, you know, a, a lizard person who is in charge of, uh, you know, uh, infiltrating the lives of uh, daily human beings, this would be a great tool. I'd be really stoked on this. Yeah. Um, but there you go. All right. Good Watch stuff. out, sheeple. Yeah. I mean, th- yeah, this is so absurd. I just don't understand. The, it uh, really absurd. It really is absurd. It's even hard to have a serious conversation about just, it because it's who's the guy, who's who are the people out there saying like, oh man, gotta get me one of those drones, ring drones. Oh, you know they're out there. Um, you know what? Also, now on a subtler level, a little bit more of an analysis level, we're talking about the uh, the advertisement where it's so silly that this robber just gets so freaked out yeah. when he sees the <laughs> ring looking at him. I feel like there's some messaging there because, of course, I mean, any working human brain is going to think, no, a robber's not going to be afraid of that. He's just going to swat it and continue robbing you. But there's a little bit of like a the power of suggestion mm. of like, yes, be afraid. Be afraid. Be very afraid of drones. Be very afraid of the camera drones. Right. Uh, because see, this hardened criminal is afraid of it. So you should be afraid too. Especially when they start talking about, hey, we're going to be working with law enforcement. Basically what they're saying is, hey, if you see one of these little tiny flying drones in the house, basically it's the police watching you. It's not just... 
the totally. resident, you know, you know, it's funny too. So the other day, um, this was like two nights ago, my, al- my, uh, fire alarm was going, it went off like three times in the middle of the night Ooh. and I was just so groggy. I, I got up the t- first two times. I didn't even know I had a fire alarm. I'm like wandering around blurry eyed and stumbling, looking for it to turn it off. It would turn off automatically and I would go back to bed. Third time I finally found it, ripped it off the wall. Um, but can you imagine like just being in your home? This was saying it, it just makes random security, (laughs) (laughs) security routes, just being in your home. You're on a zoom call, you know, working or something. Yeah. And then suddenly out of nowhere, you hear flies by you while you're, you know, chatting with your boss or whatever. That would drive me completely bonkers. And it's also a, a sort of audio reminder that you're being watched. Yeah, that's another pretty funny thing that, uh, you know, they're like, oh, it's super loud. So, you know, like it's a, coming. Right, like they probably couldn't get about the sound. how loud it is. <laughs> they couldn't get the sound down, you know, so they're like, well, we're just going to have to market it as a good thing. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel bad for, you know, taller people. Yeah, this thing's going to be going around and you might this turn a is- corner and boom. Yeah, definitely would give you a nice knock on the dome. <laughs> uh, oh, I can wow. imagine the cats going completely oh. cuckoo yeah. bananas. Yeah, why, why don't we have uh, something, you know, these little drone things can be much better used if they have it like some become, kind of cat toy. It would become a it. hunting expedition yeah. every 10 minutes while this thing is making a route. <laughs> it's only a matter be of counter. time before the natives take it down. Yep, yep, yep. All right, well. Yeah, be aware. Don't buy these things. It, it, these things are evolving so quickly. Every time Amazon or Apple or Google, they have these big, uh, you know, reveals. It's like all mm-hmm. the new tech, and it's always just more surveillance. Uh, it's apparatus. the future. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. Okay, we got a bunch of updates to go through here. Uh, you ready? Okay. Yes. We interrupt this broadcast to give you a brief update. By the end of this timely interruption, you will be thoroughly updated. Thirty-three is the number of completion of the Great War. A few 33 updates to get through here. Uh, This is rdrnews.com. And the headline reads, One COVID-19 death, 33 new cases in county. Classic. This is uh, Chavez County. It's the uh, 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 the number of new local cases also remain high at 33. The third highest among New Mexico counties. So look out, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. 33 new cases uh but also not to be outdone here wabi.tv or w-a-i or a w-a-b-i main cdc reports 33 new covid19 cases 29 more recoveries that is crazy <laughs> So you might be tempted to think that we're repeating these. No, no, it's no. just every day they they have to report when they hit thirty three. Okay, so if there's twenty nine recoveries and thirty three new cases, then mm. are mm. we? Is it what four cases? Can we do some yeah, math here? Net net positive of four <laughs> cases. Well, and that's been a problem with the counting all along. Yeah. is you know they say. There's a whatever, whatever the numbers at four million cases of COVID. That's not four million people who currently have it. Right. That's four million positive tests, and then don't even get me started on the test thing. We're right. All, we're aware. We're aware. Of the flaws in that. Yeah. The major flaws. 
And then it's a, uh, it's, it's a, it's an aggregate number. It's not a current case number. Right, right, right. It's, and it's all, yeah, it's all kind of rounded up and everything else. Yeah. Uh, always to support that 33. This is WashingtonTimes.com. Uh, oh, what happened to my, oh, here it is. Sorry. I skipped one. Uh, I'm sorry. One, one, two dot international slash Ukraine. Top news. Over 33 million people infected with COVID-19 worldwide. We've done it. 33 million. So headlines worldwide. We did it. We did it. We hit the, the 33 the million ritual mark. is complete. It's complete. Uh, this number will pop up again in another update uh, in a couple stories here. Uh, so those are the 33 updates. We, again, we're not repeating the headlines here. We just constantly see 33 mentioned uh, as a number that they continue to repeat as part of their whole messaging going on. And uh, mm-hmm. again, 33 in your local community, but also 33 million infected worldwide. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, and then this one I-, I wanted to mention, this is the Washington times.com article. Federal judge blocks Trump's TikTok ban. Yeah. So, yep. We all, we've been kind of following a little bit of uh, the story here. Yep. Do you think this judge has a TikTok account? Maybe. And he's just so <laughs> sad. He's like, I got a hundred followers. Yeah. Can I get banned? <laughs> Finally got 33 followers Can't have can't ban it. Now U S district judge Carl Nichols ordered a temporary block of the Trump administration's decision to prevent TikTok from being distributed via app stores operated by Apple and Google judge Nicholas, a president Trump appointee to the U S district court of uh, for the district of Columbia in 2019, said in a brief order that he was granting a preliminary injunction related to the app store ban of the Chinese-owned app, uh, video app. The judge's uh, full opinion is sealed, and a determination will be made on Monday regarding whether it will be uh, or become unsealed according to Judge Nichols' order. So his hmm. own sealed information, he's going to decide whether to... Okay, but anyway. Um, I mean, I'm not going to really get into it. It's just that's no, what it is. No, there's nothing to get into. That's pretty weird, though. Yeah, we mentioned that the, there was a working deal with Oracle uh, let's see. Let's see if there's anything new here. TikTok's working deal with Oracle and proposal to form a new company, TikTok Global, based in the U.S. to better resolve the federal government's national security concerns has not been finalized. China has signaled opposition to any deal with an American company in an editorial published last week in Chinese state-run media. So, yeah, believe the Chinese state-run media over... Uh, over anything Trump says. You know what? Um, again, we can't get fully into it now, but there's been a long history of Chinese uh, government official and uh, also espionage artists um, who have been running uh, long-term influence campaigns, uh, especially in Australia, which we're seeing the results of recently, but also in the U.S. and around the world. Um, this judge might uh, might have been a victim of that. Mm, that's they, a good they, point. They're specifically have been caught targeting politicians, judges, um, people like that to be to enact pro-China right. policies, and that's kind of what this sounds like. Yeah, if you don't comply, then something bad happens. It's kind of like how Israel had done with the uh, Epstein and the whole you know, right. politicians and stuff, the uh, the mm-hmm. secret intelligence over in Israel. Yeah. The black cube and all that. Um, mm-hmm. All right. So that's, that's that. Not much more to mention. Uh, yep. But also, we have a, a quick COVID update here. COVID. 
Turner. Christopher. Cast nine. A pandemic special. <laughs> this is newsmedical.net. CRISPR screening identifies human host pathways that facilitate coronavirus infection. And you know, Basil, one of the things that we mentioned as soon as the whole virus thing came out was how this is just a big ruse to push the technology, whether it be CRISPR, whether it be surveillance, whether it be robots. It really was the, uh, the final uh, you know, strategy, if you will, to, to not only smash the economy worldwide and supply chains and everything else, but to use as an excuse to push forward the types of technologies we've been tracking for a while. And CRISPR seems to be at the forefront of this quietly. And we reported right. on a couple different stories uh, regarding this uh, a little while ago, but this one here, it says, I'm not going to read the whole thing just because it's uh, kind of technical because it's medical news, medical, you know, it's a little more uh, medical speak. The human coronavirus family consists of seven known pathogens for which there are no approved vaccines or specific therapeutic options. Although the seasonal human coronavirus and it lists a whole bunch here, only cause mild respiratory infections. Three highly pathogenic coronaviruses that emerged in the last two decades revealed the pandemic potential of this family of viruses. And um, uh, this is something interesting here. Severe acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus, that's SARS-CoV-2, which caused the current COVID-19 pandemic, has a lower fatality rate, but is far more transmissible than SARS-CoV-1 and MERS-CoV. So far, it has been responsible for nearly 33 million cases and 996,000 deaths worldwide. I like how it's, they, why don't they just round it up to a million? If they're going to put the 33 million cases, why don't they round up the deaths? But anyway. I just don't know. I don't know. So uh, basically, the team of researchers conducted parallel genome-wide CRISPR screen, uh, screens cells infected with SARS-CoV-2 and two seasonal common cold coronaviruses. They were able to identify the distinct viral entry factors for all three viruses. And uh, I mean, yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh, right here. I have another thing highlighted. According to the team, the study offers critical insight into host pathways, usually hijacked by coronavirus. They identified the phosphatidylinositol. Oh, gosh. Phosphatidylinositol, whatever. PIK3C3 kinase complex as a potential therapeutic target for SARS-CoV-2. Uh, and so anyway, the point is they use CRISPR to identify this, which is so interesting because I don't know if you remember Basil a few months ago over the summer when we were breaking down all the COVID stuff, the history of co coronavirus prior to COVID-19. And mm -hmm. in 2015, they were reporting that, hey, we have this whole digital or virtual uh, simulation that figured out uh, where the, the pathogens of the coronavirus, where the vulnerabilities might be so that we can take it right. down and fix it. And so, yeah. yeah, this is like nothing new, but also, you know, more CRISPR funding uh, needs to happen. So, yeah, we discovered new things with the CRISPR and it's going to save the lives of everybody, all 33 million. And uh, so oh, there you go. We're so thankful, CRISPR. <laughs> I know. So wonderful. And also remember the CRISPR, CRISPR in a box that we reported on last episode. So yeah, all the, CRISPR all the kids, for kids, CRISPR for kids, all the little kids can learn how to save the world with their and create chimeric monsters <laughs> in the process. 
Okay, um, here's another quick update that, uh, well, we'll play the jingle. I'm hungry. <laughs> Mr. Magoo. LiveScience.com brain eating amoeba in Texas City's Ooh. water supply kills six year old. Oh, it was in the city's water supply. Okay. Yeah. Because, yeah, we were talking about this story, and recently there's been stories of, like, uh, you know, Florida man uh, gets brain-eating amoeba from swimming in a algae-laden pond or something. <laughs> right. This was actually in the the water supply of the city. Oh, yeah, my gosh. Yeah, it says here, a brain-eating amoeba has been found in the water supply of Texas City, where a six-year-old boy recently died from an infection with the organism, according to news reports. The boy, Josiah McIntyre, who lived in Lake Jackson, a uh, city near Houston, Texas, died on September 8th of a rare infection with the amoeba known as Nigleria fowleri, according to NBC News. Nigleria fowleri is naturally found in warm freshwater, such as lakes and rivers, and people usually become infected after swimming or diving in bodies of contaminated freshwater, according to the CDC. Always the CDC. Gotta trust them. Mm -hmm. uh, infections which are rare happen when contaminated water goes up the nose you cannot become infected from swallowing contaminated water the cdc oh. says so it goes up That's your convenient. nose but don't swallow interesting um so there you go i mean i saw this trending yeah. and so yeah be careful out there in texas the brain eating them you know this is like man i i'm sure that this uh can happen but i think i feel like this is just more fear-mongering you know like the corona thing is kind of taming everybody everyone's kind of figuring out that it's a ruse well we'll know if it starts popping up in more places you know it might be right. just a tester tester right. tester article yeah and if it gains enough uh fear and attention we'll see it start seeing it pop up other places yeah and speaking of uh we just mentioned tiktok uh tiktok tiktok as the kids say as the kids say but also the tick that you wanted to mention on the updates oh, here. yeah yeah i was looking at it there's um uh, I don't have it right in front of me. I lost it. But there okay. is cases of a tick uh, that if it bites you, you'll become allergic to meat, which <laughs> yeah. was pretty wild. But this has been known about for a few years. Um, but there were some more recent cases popping up. And I thought it was, you know, in the context of the GMO mosquitoes, you know, mm -hmm. the, the genetically modified mosquitoes that they're setting free in Florida. This seemed like the perfect plan for, uh, you know, to promote the Green New Deal type of, uh, yeah. you know, mindset. You know, if we can't get people to stop eating their cheeseburgers, we'll just release an army of ticks <laughs> that will make people allergic to meat. And, you know, if you follow the money, baby. I bet uh, it was Impossible Burger. They're the, I'm not. Hey, look, don't hit me with a libelous <laughs> uh, lawsuit, Impossible Burger. But if there was a swarm of ticks that made everybody allergic to meat, yeah, I've got my eye on you, Impossible Burger. This is a pantograph.com. Ask the doctors. Lone Star tick bites can cause red meat allergy. And uh, it basically, it says here that em, uh, Emblyoma americanum, commonly known as the Lone Star tick. Ooh. What's up with Texas, man? Joe Rogan <laughs> moved to Texas, and all of a sudden, you got brain-eating amoeba and and meat it's allergic <laughs> i know they'll follow joe rogan hey yeah. california might heal now they got joe rogan out of here 
Okay. Uh, the bringer trouble. of ticks. The bringer of ticks and brain-eating amoeba. Mm. Um, but there you go. A couple of uh, different little critters. All you know, I feel like they they understand the the elite know that they can fear monger with this kind of stuff now. So why not roll out all the little critters that can harm you? And now you know, as soon as you get one person dead, you got a headline. And uh, yeah, don't drink the water. Don't go outside, Texas folk, because you can get the Ronas and the Lone Star Tick can bite you, and you'll be allergic to I me. Think, and how yeah, do you? The how Texas do you live? people, the Texas people that I know are, are much more afraid of the <laughs> the meat allergy tick than coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, that might maybe that's what it was. You know, the Texas people just didn't care about uh, coronavirus anymore, so they're yeah. like. Um, don't go outside anyways, or else you won't be able to eat barbecue anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody asking Philip Edwards asking in the chat, do you guys want to be on the Joe Rogan show really bad? No, not really. I can really no. care less if I'm ever on Joe Does Rogan. Does it sound like we do? No. Yeah, we're kind of bashing I mean, I him. would go if he asked me, Yeah, but mainly because then we could, you know, gain Chill news talk. I mean, I don't know. It'd be fun. It'd be fun, Just except. Talk to him about uh, Flippy. Specific- <coughs> Uh-oh. That's all I would Rona. talk about is how robots are going to kill us. Rona cough. Okay. Yeah. Uh, one more quick update before we get into the main stories here. A new world order can emerge. Dailymail.co.uk. 64 world leaders back plan to save Earth from a planetary state of emergency by stopping dumping of plastic in oceans by 2050 and clamping down on pollution. Ooh. Yeah, that's the headline. 64 leaders. 64 leaders, yeah. Uh, remember, mm. we're waiting for the 10 that's kings. 33 times 2 plus 1. <laughs> Wait, no, no it's I'm minus so two. bad at math. 33 times 33 2 minus times 2. 33 times 2 minus 2. Yeah, come on, come on there. <laughs> I was just testing the, the chat, people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, all right. All right. Uh, yeah, okay. so leaders from 64 countries have signed a 10-point pledge for nature outlining steps to combat climate change by helping the world live in harmony with nature by 2050. Hmm. Sound familiar in harmony with nature, Georgia Guidestones. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They want to bring down Mm. the population. You remember? Yeah. Oh, Uh, my familiar. Yep. 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 Uh, Emmanuel Macron, Angela Merkel, and Boris Johnson are among the figureheads who signed the document stating the world is in a state of planetary emergency requiring urgent and immediate global action. The measures include a pledge to redoable efforts to slow down deforestation, eliminate unregulated and unsustainable fishing practices and stop plastic being dumped into the ocean by 2050. Yeah. So 20, make it stop 30 years to stop plastic dumping into the ocean. What happened to Boris Johnson? I thought he was like the Trump Trump uh, clone over there. He's just, uh, uh, it says here, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson will sign a new UN pledge to help save the planet. Huh. Yeah, so, I don't uh, really know. He does seem to have sort of changed his tune. They must have found some video. Maybe some, some new polling came in, so he yeah. changed uh, his thing. Yeah, he's compromised. Yeah, or he's got a tape. He's got he's tape got a, out there. A Russian, <laughs> a Russian tape. Oh boy. All right. So those are all of the uh, quick updates. Uh, Yeah. A lot of updates. A lot of updates. Uh, We didn't include these, a few things going on out there, which uh, uh, one of them being the, the Trump uh, campaign advisor getting tackled to the ground. (laughs) 
by the police yeah. and stuff we might like pop that. that into the next show yeah we yeah. might do that there okay might be some more info we'll see yep all right guns are you ready for our first story let's do it okay what do i see in japan we are seeing a lot of negative news a new world order can emerge all right guns watch out watch out this is coming from japantimes.co.jp the article is titled LDP to call for economic security promotion law. Mm. What does that mean? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> the ruling Liberal Democratic Party is set to call on the government to craft a comprehensive law promoting economic security for all of society, including the private sector. GG Press has learned uh the ldp is um the majority party right now in japan yes. for those who don't know the request is included in an interim report compiled by the party's strategic headquarters on the creation of a new international order the panel is working to formulate a national strategy on economic security. The LDP plans to formalize uh, its proposals on the matter by year end for submission to the government on developments concerning the international community's preparations for the era after the novel coronavirus pandemic is brought under control the interim report says that quote countries are trying to determine what that international order will look like so japan trying to take sort of a leading role on uh, the great reset new world order yep. after coronavirus yep. moving on apparently keeping china in mind and joe oh, japan you're always keeping china in mind <laughs> Apparently keeping China in mind, including its growing tensions with the U.S., the report warns, quote, a new international order is emphasis uh, with emphasis on digital technology based monitoring of society and state capitalism is on the rise. Wow. There you go. Straight from the New World Order playbook. A new international order with emphasis on digital technology based monitoring of society and state capitalism is on the rise. Besides the economic security promotion law, strategies for each uh, region and sector should be established, it says. Notice how it's called the economic security and promotion law. Mm -hmm. You know, are you are you afraid, citizen? Do not fear. You will be economically secure with our technology-based monitoring of society right. and state capitalism. The report says that Japan should strengthen its collaboration with other countries in order to fortify its information gathering capabilities. There we go. Some more. You get your, uh, your ring drone flying around mm -hmm. for some information gathering capabilities including seeking to join the five eyes a framework for sharing sensitive information among the united states the uk canada australia and new zealand five eyes we've talked about that in the past that's the sort of intelligence um uh, alliance mm -hmm. between uh, united states uk canada australia and new zealand mm -hmm. to play a greater role in the international rule making process the government should boost efforts to have more japanese nationals and peoples from countries with close ties to japan assume senior posts in international organizations the report says "Ooh, they want japanese infiltration i'll do it I'll yeah. go. I'll go to the meetings. <laughs> Gons uh, volunteers as tribute. 
Now, here we go. Let's get into it. Japan needs to aggressively invest its resources in research and development on sixth generation or 6G new cutting edge wireless communication technology in cooperation with Western countries with the aim of rolling out the world's first 6G products and having them adopted as international standards, the report says. The report also calls on Japan to set a law for promoting the use of industrial data ahead of other countries, as well as introduce a central bank digital currency as a possible, uh, sorry, as early as possible and facilitate its use by working closely with Western nations. The government uh, was also urged to beef up its response to possible fake news, mm. step up resources ex- uh, resource exploration in Japan's exclusive economic zones, and revise the special measures law against influenza in preparation for new infectious disease outbreak. Japan, they have the master plan, Gons, and it includes everything. Everything, plus, uh, you know, very subtle but telling in preparation for a new infectious disease outbreak, they're planning mm. another outbreak of some they kind. They are, yes, for they're sure. trying to get ready for the next one, the next coronavirus. And I like, <laughs> yeah, just to go down the list, yeah, uh, of this plan, it's infiltration of. Uh, I'm using infiltration that has a negative connotation, but you know, infiltration of uh, international organizations with Japanese nationals. Uh, so they want to increase their uh, presence in mm-hmm. the, the new world order global <laughs> governance. <laughs> uh, they want to join Five Eyes, which is, you know, the uh, intelligence network, the all seeing eye of English speaking nations. They want to jump ahead to 6G. I mean, we're having so much trouble with just 5G. And there are no 5G. We go straight to 6G. (laughs) They want to uh, increase, bolster their digital technology based monitoring of society and state capitalism. I mean, this got the whole plan, man. This is just (laughs) the the Japanese NWO plan. I know. I've been saying Japan's part of the the tip of the spear when it comes to the new world order for a long time, but it know. really is. And they have the giant Gundam robot. I know. Ah! <laughs> Just to make things worse, you don't comply. You must worship the robot, and that's Super yeah. Revelation thirteen image of the beast ish. Oh, no. You know, what if the giant Gundam was the image. Oh of the beast? no, we all missed it. We <laughs> everyone missed it. It was. <laughs> 666G bow or be killed. <laughs> Gundam there you style. go, man. Your your people, they are ready for the takeover. I've been saying it culturally, they've been prepping for a long time, but now they're just pushing it out there, you know, big time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just troubling, but also uh get me in there. I'll I'll set some people straight. <laughs> man, if we could infiltrate this NWO thing. And uh, from Japan, they they won't they they never see it coming. Some (laughs) Japanese American punk. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. No, I was gonna go into something else. Don't need to do that. Um. Yeah. So there you go. That's all I got. I mean, it speaks for itself. Yep. There you go. That is uh, the new world, the new international order. Again, another one of those stories where you don't have to. You can share with your normie friends and say, hey. Guys, there is a plan for an international world order. 
There has been for a long time. It's not a conspiracy yeah. theory. It's the plan of the Liberal Democratic Party of Japan. Yeah, right we here. Better, I better start working on my Japanese. Yeah, we're taking over. Oh, that's pre- hey, pretty good. Thank pretty you. Pretty good. Thank pretty good. You. Okay. Are you, are you done with that? Nothing I'm else done. to say. Okay. Let's move on. More troubling news. Did you ever have the feeling that you were being watched? Mind, Mind control, control intensifies. All right. This is a story from DW.com. U.S. religious data perform targets mentally ill, vulnerable people. A new film reveals how Cambridge Whoa. Analytica, collaborating with a software company, has uh, created a platform for U.S. churches that targets the poor the addicted and the disabled to radicalize them for far right politics. And, uh, you know, this is something that's been known and I'm wondering if this is an older story. I'm trying to look for the date. It does say, uh, September 27th. I think this is a little newer, but it says here, uh, hold on for their documentary. People you may know. Uh, hmm. what are you doing? I'm trying to read this thing. It's just, it's a random thing here. Uh, okay, that's, so that's the uh, is that the picture yeah, that's description? The, it's yes, it's hard yeah. to tell. Okay, DW below. Tell me how the is this is an interview style. Tell me how the project started. Katharina Gellian or Gelaine. Charles was the special advisor to the UK's Select Committee on Fake News that started in 2017, and I wanted to make a film about fake news. Charles was the first person to walk through the door of Parliament and sit down and say to the MPs, "Quote Cambridge Analytica." This was everybody. Uh, this was when everybody was sort of at the level of quote, oh, isn't Facebook a nice thing and isn't that good? And then, of course, shortly after that, Cambridge Analytica whistleblower Chris Wiley came with his uh, evidence, and the whole case just blew the doors open. This evidence, I assume, this is the the DW speaking. This evidence, I assume, pointed to some form of meddling in the Brexit referendum. Answer, yes, we documented it for a year, interviewed all the MPs, and then, of course, the political will to follow what the MPs recommended in their report was not that great because it did prove that Brexit was interfered with. And we thought, okay, where does this piece go now? Because Charles had placed himself at the nexus of people giving evidence to the committee, people kept bringing him evidence on the side. So somebody brought a whole bunch of evidence about who Cambridge Analytica collaborated with in the United States other than the Trump campaign. And what did you discover? It turned out to be a far right wing. uh, Well, it turned out to be far right wing churches, conservative churches in the U S and they've built a platform that targets mentally ill or vulnerable people in order to draw them into church, to monetize them through donations. That's the short term goal Hmm. to to help them uh, is the uh, facade. What? To help them is the facade for it, but ultimately, the aim is to convert them to the politics of the far right. And Sounds we went like a stretch. Yeah, and we we went to as many churches as we could. We spoke to as many people as we could. Charles looped in a se- looped in a senior academic from Melbourne and a professor of journalism at Columbia and a whistleblower who used to work for SCL Strategic Communication Laboratories Group, the parent company of Cambridge Analytica. And it ended up with these three tiers. We looked into the data side and then ultimately ended up finding that the people who built the platform had ties to the White House, essentially through an enormous 
secret nonprofit organization, Ooh. one of the most powerful organizations in the United States. And I would add, not so secret if it's a public, yeah. <laughs> public nonprofit organization. <laughs> Can you tell me a bit more about that? And this is now Charles Creel. What initially happened is that a Koch Brothers funded charity commissioned Cambridge Analytica along with a software company called Glue to build a software platform that could be used by churches in order to target vulnerable people. And these are people who are suffering from addiction, financial distress, who might be struggling with opioid dependence, or they might be dealing with bipolar issues. And all of these options are available in the software that has been deployed to the churches. And once those people are identified, they can target them with social media. And once brought into the church, they can also be recruited into the politics of the far right. Question, is this happening exclusively in the so-called megachurches, or is this far more widespread? Gillen says this, It was initially rolled out as a marriage program to save marriages at 16 major campuses, and some of those are megachurches. Some of them are as small as village churches. Now, that it's available to pretty much everybody and across all faiths, Catholic, Protestant, but mainly evangelical and dominion Catholics. They obviously wield enormous money and power, but the strength of the platform for the churches is this cheap tool. You can roll it out in a village church and you can almost use it as a precognitive science of figuring out who's heading for divorce, who's heading for eviction, who's in trouble. And then Creel adds, I think when you get to the level of the megachurches where politics become involved, then there's more of an awareness. But when you're talking about local churches, I don't think they're aware of what's going on. What they do know is that there's this magical platform called Insights. And they could say, well, uh, this is a quote, quote, well, I'm going to look around in Birmingham, Alabama, and I want to find an area of town where people are suffering from high levels of addiction and divorce. And Insights will show you that. You can also look at the uh, look look at that as a positive thing. You can say, "Well, there's a community that's suffering. We'll put a church in the middle to help." Or you can look at it as saying, "You have churches that are looking for opportunities to build mega businesses and to go in and to monetize off the backs of folks who are suffering because they have an unfair recruiting tool for bringing those people into recovery programs in the churches." You know, recovery programs are great when you don't have a second agenda. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gillian adds we interviewed one of the main founders and he essentially laid out how it all works he had an initial presentation for donors which we've seen and that lays out pretty clear that the aim is political because overwhelmingly people who don't go to church uh, don't go to church don't vote Republican so it was a key thing to apply in certain swing states because of course with enough swing states in the US you can swing the vote and the question DW asks is this a fairly recent phenomenon, or was this something that was uh, also deployed ahead of the midterms in 2018? Creel responds, we are confident that it was employed ahead of 2016, actually. At the time, the technology and the data weren't sophisticated enough. In fact, I just did an interview with an ex-Facebook employee, and he was saying around the time of the Obama election that Facebook was a relatively small operation in terms of advertising. This is pre-2014 when Facebook changed its financial model. By 2016, data and advertising were robust operations within Facebook and were being taken advantage of by former Trump media advisor Brad Parscale. Is that the guy that got taken out? Is that the guy that was tackled today? I don't recall. I don't know. Hold on. Let me check real quick because I'm curious. I think it was the media advisor. It's the guy that was taken out by the police. 
right, wow. we'll get to that. We'll touch on that in a second here. Uh, let me finish this story. Oh, where did it go? Oh, okay. Yep. So Brad Pascal by Cambridge Analytica, who were directly hired by the Trump campaign. And then Gaylene adds, and you obviously have other big data platforms as well, like I360, also funded by the Koch brothers. And so these enormous data sets overlap. They overlap with the data that the Republicans have to gather as intel on their votes. Another aspect of your film delves into the issue of alleged attempt to rewrite the U.S. Constitution. Gaylene mm. steps in. We found that the guy who commissioned Cambridge Analytica and also put money into glue. They spelled it differently this time. G-L-O-O. Last time it was G-L-U-E. Uh, the software company is a member of an organization called Council for National Policy. And this is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, the type of organization that is tax exempt in the U.S., which means they are not meant to conduct politics or support a certain candidate or get involved in public politics really at all. They've existed for about 40 years. Their aim was to rewrite, re, re, rewrite the U.S. Constitution by 2020. Now they're a little late, but if Trump wins another four years, they have a very real chance because they have systematically over the course of many years worked to install a Republican legislature in many states. They have pushed out Democrats and pushed out moderate Republicans. Oh my God. And then Creel adds, there's a couple different ways to try to re-engineer the U.S. Constitution. One is you can go state by state, amendment by amendment. That takes forever and nobody gets anywhere that way. Or what you can do instead is call a constitutional convention. And if two-thirds of the U.S. state legislatures call for a constitutional convention, then one is held, and there hasn't been one since the Bill of Rights. <laughs> so their thing is that uh, Republicans have this big secret plan to completely rewrite the Constitution. Yeah. That hasn't happened since the Bill of Rights, but it could happen next year if Trump gets elected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah wow. Uh, the convention can revolve around a single issue, but once the convention is in operation, other issues can be introduced and you can effectively rewrite the entire document. Oh, oh my god! As you know, abortion rights are on the table. Marriage equality is on the table. Things like federal regulation and the degree to which the central government can control regulation of the states are on the table. <laughs> this guy is super fear mongering. Seriously. What the Brits would call devolution is a Republican thing. <laughs> They're much more interested in states' rights and states' control. So the Council for National Policy was founded in 1981, riding off the back of the Ronald Reagan wave. Its roots are the Southern Baptist Convention. So racism is part of its DNA. And they came to... Okay, sorry, keep going. And they came together with a sense of urgency, knowing that by 2030s, or by the 2030s, white Protestant males would no longer be in a majority. Oh and then the gosh. DW asks, asks, so they're conducting official business, but no one really has a clear idea of what they're up to answer. They're an official body, but they've they're secretive. So nobody knows who the members are. Nobody knows when they hold their quarterly meetings or where they're going to be holding their quarterly meetings. And so we went undercover to one of their meetings for the very first time, which you can watch in our film. Wow. <laughs> and then uh, the time I want to watch this film. Uh, so do I. Uh, and then DW asks, the timing of the release ahead of the presidential election is obviously not coincidental. What kind of impact are you, are you expecting or hoping for? Ooh, good question, DW. Crail says, we certainly look to the Watergate scandal movie, All the President's Men, as an example of the power that a film can have and the impact that can have on a uh, presidential election. And then Galeen added, we don't just want to preach to the converted here. Of course, the accusation can be that it's a liberal film. 
(laughs) (laughs) Yeah, really? But it's not really about that. This is about the exploitation of people who attend church. So any normal Republican, I think, wouldn't be very happy with their data being used for purposes that it wasn't intended for. And that's the end of the article. I, my my big takeaway from this is that, yeah, they're probably doing this and have been doing this. But the the big point that's missed that's missed here is that they've been doing this to everybody. It's not just churches. No, yeah, well, that's the thing. It, <laughs> so the point being, they're pointing out the use of big data collection for church advertising, basically. Right. Okay. The government does it. Corporations do it. <laughs> small businesses do it. Russian bots do it. And now that churches do it, it's like this big conspiracy theory. So yeah. Oh yeah. my God. There's just so much. So first of all, first thing I want to point out is the equation, uh, equating Christians, mm-hmm. any Christians, they mentioned Catholic, Protestant, Evangelical, right. and Dominion Catholics, equating Christians with far right. Right. Yeah. They're talking about getting people into church so you can spread far right. <laughs> and what this is, is a a step by, and we've seen this for a while, because I remember when the term far right first started, it specifically referred to uh, like conspiracy theorists. Right. Yeah, They were the first ones to be looped into far right. And then it just grew and grew and grew because far right is like this big evil term now, obviously. And so this is just the next step in growing the uh, category of far right, which now includes all Republicans, apparently. (laughs) All Christians, all not even just Christians, people who go to church and Republicans. Everybody's far right now. So first of all, there's some, uh, you know, there's some uh, uh, some rhetoric being some Mm -hmm. propagandistic rhetoric being laid down here, equating all Christians with far right, which used to be just, you know, either conspiracy. It actually didn't start with conspiracy theorists. It started with racists. Right. It was like full on Ku Klux Klan members were the far right. Mm -hmm. Then it included conspiracy theorists. Then it included, you know, certain kinds of Christians. Then it included certain kinds of Republicans. Now it's just everybody right (laughs) of center is far right. So that's number one. Yeah. Second of all, yes, this big data thing, it's been available to churches for a long time. It's available to Mm -hmm. anybody. The people selling the data will sell it to whoever wants to do it. And yeah, I mean, churches advertise, churches have outreach, you know, and he, I love how he even goes through in this article about like, yeah, on the one hand, yeah, of course you want to know where the people are hurting and in need. And then you can put some outreach or a church (laughs) there or something. Of course, that's so innocent and great. But then there's the exploitation and the political uh, manipulation of the, uh, you know, the mentally challenged or whatever and it's like okay this has devolved into full-on conspiracy theory yeah i mean i I, I, yeah you pointed out the thing i was going to point out which was yeah that he has to put that caveat in there like yeah well of course it could be used for good to help those people but it's not but also (laughs) 
<laughs> because of a secret 501c3 nonprofit organization. Which yeah. I don't think that's possible. There's which no is such apparently thing. Apparently, is not so. Yeah, <laughs> you can't have a secret nonprofit. If it's nonprofit, you just look it up. It's enormous. Get, it's not, not only is it not secret, you can look up all the financials for that organization. <laughs> the, the, the exact quote is enormous secret nonprofit organization. <laughs> oh. It's like they're trying to uh they're trying to equate enormous secret nonprofit organization with the Illuminati. I know. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah. Democrat has ever used big data to like or just organizations and to strategically try to get people's votes and, and vote far left or left. You, you know what on, else is uh you know what else is an enormous not secret nonprofit organization? What's that? Freemasons. Oh, ah, that gotcha. is true. Illuminatus. <laughs> Illuminatus. Uh, but yeah, you know what? Real quick, because his name came up in the article here, uh, the guy that they mentioned, uh, let's see, well, let me try to find it. Brad. What was it? What was it? What was it? Um. Oh, I had it right in front of me. Yeah, this nope, article is long. Yeah, I had it yeah, too. Well, I have the I have the story here anyway. This is a yeah, Brad well, Parscale. Real quick, yeah. real quick before you move into that, um, and I do, you know I do want to say as people who as I'll just say for me as somebody who has grown up in the church, served in leadership on the church, I've, been, I've done pretty much everything in church that you can do. I am aware of these products. You can mm-hmm. buy any church can buy these products, just like any company or any whatever can buy these products. Um, you know, of course, there probably are some pretty, you know, unsavory uh, megachurches. And I'm just oh, talking about the organization, yeah. not the people that go to it. I mean, look, I'm, I'll am i be the first one to criticize megachurches. In fact, most American Christians will uh, criticize megachurches. Yeah. I mean, they are kind of like the easiest target. And so... I'm not here to say that no megachurch has ever abused this type of big data. <laughs> mm. In fact, I'm positive that it has. They have, but, for sure. But the silly thing about this uh, this article is, yeah, just equating Christianity as a as a group with <laughs> the Illuminati, who are all trying to just take advantage of the mentally weak and yeah. addicted people. It's a logical fallacy called sweeping generalizations. It's just kind super of super guilty of it. Angry, this, uh, angry atheists is yeah, what this is. Yeah. Yeah. The, the sentence here by 2016 data and advertising were robust operations within Facebook and were being taken advantage of by former Trump media advisor, Brad Parscale. So there you go. That's the guy. And there was a story out the other day or maybe yesterday, uh, ex Trump campaign chief, Brad Pascal hospitalized. After threatening to harm himself, that was a story. I saw the headline. I saw yeah. it trending on Twitter and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and it says the uh, former 2020 campaign manager and current campaign senior advisor, Brad Parscale, was taken into custody Sunday evening by Fort Lauderdale police after allegedly threatening to harm himself at his home in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. ABC News has confirmed. And now I guess we can just show the footage here because. It didn't you look like he was, it. yeah, it didn't look like he was trying to hurt himself. Uh, this is, <laughs> I think this is body cam footage. Yeah. Axon you, should, body. you should play the, oh, I think that there's some is harsh there language. I think there is, uh, but mm, I can keep I it know. low. I guess we could survive without it, but 
Um, maybe just a little disclaimer. There might be some harsh language yeah, in this, but you low. just kind of have to hear it to hear just how like calm and normal it is until it's not. Right. So uh, this is the what we're seeing here is the officer's body cam walking up to this gentleman's uh, house, I think, and kind of on the driveway. And you, you first see Brad sitting on his porch. I think he's drinking a beer or something. Mm-hmm. And then he walks up to the cop pretty calmly, uh, shirtless. But uh, <laughs> not riding an ostrich um, <laughs> and just walks up, calmly talks to the police. And um, let's start here. I'm, I don't know how much of the audio is coming through. Here he is walking up. Here's the, the guy on the porch. He stands up. He's got okay. kind of his hands out. That's fine. All right, relax. Talking to the police. Oh, there was a little, nope. little, little, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. But yeah, he puts his drink down. He's sort of talking to the police calmly. He's trying to explain what happened. Um, and, uh, and then he, some voices, it's just a bunch of co- boom, <laughs> <laughs> a swarm of cops. But the weird thing is it looks like the swarm of cops comes from his own backyard like they come from the direction of his home he's standing at the edge of his driveway and it's like they come out of his garage or something yeah six police officers one tackles on (laughs) football tackle football tackle he's on the ground he's not resisting but uh yeah they cuff him and so i don't know what's going on here but very strange that the headline is that he's you know uh, in custody uh, after trying to threatening to harm himself, I just I don't know. I, I no comment really, other than this was what's out there. You know. This yeah, is that's the, why we are gonna wait. We are yeah, gonna we're gonna look wait for to some see. more information before we try to analyze it. And just to answer some questions in the uh, chat, yeah, we're not necessarily afraid of bad words, but we do have um, some very young people who listen with yeah, their parents, just and we just want to give give them a chance to. Uh, Take action if they need to. Earmuffs. Yeah, we call them earmuffs. Yeah. Earmuffs. Yeah. Earmuff time. Earmuff time. Um, but anyway, that's uh, just, be, I wanted to show that just because it happened to be a name mentioned in this article. Um, but there was one more sort of parallel story to this. Did you want to tackle that one, Basil? The propaganda story? Uh, oh, 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 yes, yes. Let me, do, 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 do. Um, yeah. Okay. Here we go. State-sponsored propaganda machinery. Psychology today. Psychology today. We should just start saying that. Hey, psychology. uh, I like that. Psychology today.com. The religious language of Republicans and Democrats. Ooh. Uh, the, The subheading here is both parties use religion to sway voters. Elephants. Hmm. Okay, voters as elephants. Mm -hmm. In the United States, we like to claim separation of church and state, but the reality is much more complicated. And of course, this was uh, written because of the Supreme Court nomination uh, debate going on. But Mm -hmm. let's continue. In the United States, we like to claim separation of church and state, but the reality is much more complicated. Although our minds may automatically be drawn to the religious right as the main violator of this separation, research has shown Democratic candidates have taken note and are also making use of religious language to frame their stances. 
In contrast to Republican candidates' overt use of religious language to frame debates surrounding abortion, Christianity's role in the public sphere and family values, Democratic candidates tend to take a more subtle approach, being careful not to alienate non-Christian voters, but also making sure to use phrases that will perk up the ears of Christians. They tend to use religious language to frame care for the poor, healthcare reform, and concern for racism, sexism, and the environment, often centering their religious rhetoric on Jesus' petition to care for the least of these. Although these references aren't as explicit as Republicans's, they have started to persuade more Christian voters to the Democratic Party, building up the more recently established religious left. How has religious language been so successful not only in the Republican Party, but also in a party that has largely taken a more secular stance? Recent research can be especially helpful in answering this question. A body of psychological research <laughs> consistently shows that voters make their decisions primarily based on a gut feeling, and that religious language is especially helpful for speaking to this intuitive sense. For example, in his book, The Righteous Mind, Social Psychology... Okay, psychologist, 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 Jonathan Haidt examines moral in intuitions in relation to religious and politics. I'm sorry, I'm getting all flabbergasted. For example, in his book, The Righteous Mind, social psychologist Jonathan Haidt examines moral int intuitions in relation to religion and politics in the United States. He argues that when it comes to religion and politics, and really any of our decision-making, quote, intuitions come first, strategic reasoning second. By this, Haidt means that as much as people want to believe they make decisions rationally and consciously, the reality is that almost all of our reasoning is unconscious and driven by instinct and emotion. He elaborates, quote, The central metaphor is that the mind is divided like a radar on an <laughs> like a rider on an elephant. And the rider's job is to serve the elephant. The rider is our conscious reasoning, the stream of words and images of which we are fully aware. The elephant is the other 99% of mental processes, the ones that occur outside of awareness, but uh, that actually govern most of our behavior. In other words, most of the choices we make, including how religious we are, who we vote for, and how we make moral decisions, are driven by emotion. We then create reasons and justifications after the fact. We feel to our very core our beliefs are the correct ones, to the point that words can't fully explain why as much as we may try. And this strong urge makes it easier to dismiss other views. This is what psychologists call the conflict information bias, the act of ignoring information that contradicts what we already think and seeking out information that reaffirms what we already believe. This strong emotional gut-level reaction is what makes the coupling of religious and political language so powerful in a voter's decision-making. For example, the several decades, for several decades, the pro-life stance has been drilled into the majority of conservative Christians' minds as the stance for Christians to look for when voting. Over time, this has strengthened Christian voters' instinctive responses to pro-life language. Haidt continues, quote, The words pro and life are both positive on their own, but part of what it means to be a Christian is that you have acquired the right Partisan. set of intuitive 
Not a Christian. What did I say? To be a partisan. Oh, be a partisan is that you have acquired the right set of intuitive reactions to hundreds of words and phrases. Your elephant knows which way to lean in response to terms such as pro-life. And as your elephant sways back and forth throughout the day, you find yourself liking and trusting the people around you who sway in sync with you. It is the same emotional response that makes quoting the Bible mandate to care for the least of these so successful for Democratic politicians. Over the past few elections, many Democrats have branded themselves as a party that cares for the poor and vulnerable and have couched their policies in religious language. So even though many of us claim to be rational voters, we are almost surely entrenched in decades of religious and political language that has been used by religious activists and politicians to sway our elephants and led us to turn uh, and led us to turn our backs on others' elephants, said another way. Activists and politicians with the resources and platforms to have their voices heard heard have defined what it means to be a quote christian voter largely without anyone even noticing they've done so however coupling religious language with partisan agendas has done little more than solidify either or frames of reference that then serve as stones to be thrown at other christian voters in the opposing political party all of this is especially important as we prepare for the upcoming presidential debates and it may serve us all well to pay attention to our elephants our gut feelings that sway how we feel about a topic and candidate that stems from these decades of conditioning. Similar to the phrase pro-life, which stirs up so many automated frames of reference, we may pay attention to how our elephants respond to candidates speaking out, quote, Sorry, speaking about, quote, caring for the least of these, the, quote, inherent worth of every person or, quote, moral obligation. The purpose and dignity of all of us as, quote, God's children and how candidates frame our, quote, God-given rights, whether that be a right to free health care or a, quote, right to keep and bear arms. All of these turns of phrases have religious history and meaning and are used often intentionally to elicit an emotional response, perhaps by simply recognizing that politicians are not meant to be theologians. Christian voters can drop their stones, dismount their elephants, and find an alternative to partisan divide. And there you go. That's the end of the article. We actually made it through a whole article. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So just to summarize, for those who would like a summary, uh, the conversation here is uh, discussing using religious language. Now, of course, uh, you know, the Republicans all over the country are not afraid of talking about uh, their Christianity. Um, but to, the Democratic side has been very interesting to watch over the past few years. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've noticed this, Gons, but I've noticed more and more Democrats will refer to God or, mm-hmm. or like they say, this sort of Christian language. Um, and, you know, I've, I've known, I know a, uh, a decent amount of Christians who have recently, you know, in the past four or five years made the switch from sort of being politically Republican to being politically Democrat and mainly because they finally hear Democrat. uh, Well, I won't say mainly, but part of it is they're hearing Democrat politicians use biblical language and it kind of has given them permission or something to switch over. Yeah, the, the, the progressive Christians, the liberal yeah. Christians, they've been on top of this. I think they've been leading the charge for the last few years where they, they are very anti-evangelical. 
And so right. with which that, is a, which is a political term, it's super political. The term yeah. ev- well, it didn't exist. There yeah. was no term called evangelical Christian until the mid uh, 20th century when the Christians were sort of solidified into a voting block. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's the actual documents yeah. uh, in with within the different uh Uh, political parties that talk about, oh, we're just realizing that we can try to lump all these Christians into one voting block. And they invented the word evangelical. What's really crazy is uh, Dr. Future's recent book actually goes into that. There's documents from the 50s, I think, that talk about how the government basically said, okay, we need to figure out how to fight communism. How are we going to do this? We're going to use the church and we're going to basically you know, uh, glorify the idea of owning guns and this kind of stuff as sort of a movement, a political movement that is tied to the church. And they did it through the evangelical, uh, sort of moniker, so to speak. Right. So yes, this was very much a psyop to begin with the whole idea of the evangelical, uh, evangelical. Yeah. which is why people, you know, people ask me if I am an evangelical Christian and I don't have a simple answer right. because <laughs> right. the answer is, no, evangelical was a political term made up to uh, manipulate church people in right. the mid 20th century. So, no, I do not claim to be an evangelical Christian. I, you know, I'm sure the government would call me that. But right. And the, yeah, the, I, the, the, the problem also is that with these progressive Christians out there, they'll point that out. And rightfully so, they'll point it out. But then they they politicize themselves. By saying, well, we, right. we support all Democrats, vote Democrat, vote by, you know, it's like, oh, you're sort of, you're, you're exposing one part and then falling into a ditch with, you know, your other foot basically, because you're perpetuating this right, left paradigm um, yeah. that you're not helping people break out of it. You know, you're just stuck in the, the cage. Uh, but yeah, I thought this was very interesting in regards to the whole, what this guy is talking about, this author is basically talking about NLP, neuro linguistic programming, right. and it's it's all the the words that you use, how words are weaponized, how they are politicized to sway, and you know he talks about gut feelings and emotions and stuff like that. Yeah, that's all tied to this. That's all tied to how politics in general works, how all propaganda works. Yeah. And uh, there's a quote, a famous quote by Edward Bernays. He's the the grandfather of propaganda. And uh, he said this, I think in like the, I don't remember, 30s, maybe even before that, the conscious, conscious, intelligent manipulation of the organized opinions and habits of the masses is an important element in a democratic society. Those who manipulate this unseen mechanism of society constitute an invisible government, which is the true ruling party in our society. And quote, that's Edward Bernays. So he, he was basically talking about this for years, you know, and, and people have known about it, but for whatever reason, it's, it just hasn't been a a topic of conversation until what the last few years. And even then the conversations are sort of parked in a partisan way. You know, it's, it's almost like even this article kind of has like a, well, you know, the right wing, they're just. Yeah, they they they're a little crazy with their beliefs and the pro. Yeah, they they've been uh, radicalized with the idea of pro life. You know, put the words together and they have this weaponized idea about abortion. Right. So you can't have a conversation outside of the paradigm now, which is why we're here. 
as one of those people that will try to have that conversation outside of the right left paradigm and try to help people break free from that thinking because i mean yes there are tendencies that we all have that that appeal to our emotions and you know sort of sway us one way or another on the political spectrum but those aren't set in stone as everyone wants us to believe uh but all, of course they're just trying to get your vote so right. it doesn't yeah, matter and that's if it's, not to say that's not to say that uh you know uh, being being a part of a certain now of course we try to stand outside of the left right paradigm on this show we don't you know the the whole the whole world of politics is all manipulation of voters that's the yeah. whole point of it um sort of like how profits is the whole point of business <laughs> gaining voters is the whole point of politics um you know and that's what we're not trying to say here is that uh you know you whatever you believe you're wrong because right, right, you've right. been manipulated <laughs> That's not what we're saying. What we are saying is when it comes to politicians, literal psychopaths who have uh, clawed their ways, you know, their way to the top of some ladder, uh, you know, are not the ones to be taking your your moral cues from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this quite a bit in the last few episodes, that idea of uh, the separation or trying to critically think about something feather or something in my mouth. Not good. Hair. A f- uh, feather? Yeah, hair or something. I don't know. No. Something on the mic. All right. Sorry. Uh, the idea of this, the, the difference between your, your moral convictions and the actual law itself, because all, oftentimes those two things aren't necessarily uh, you know, contained within one another. Abortion being the great example. You know, most people would agree that if you couch the conversation of abortion as you're killing babies, most people would say, ah, you shouldn't kill babies. Right. But, uh, but, you know, some well, people right. say, that's why, I mean, even the abortion language has changed. Right. They don't even call it pro choice anymore. They call it something crazy. I need to find that actually. Yeah, Let me find look for that while you finish up. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's basically the point here that there is, uh, but I would argue that all of it points to uh, the moral argument for the existence of God. Like, even the, mm-hmm. the atheists and secularists who are appealing to some kind of moral objective standard this is correct this is right you know this is the ethical moral thing to do they are all appealing to this objective moral standard and it's just how you reflect off of it do you believe that there it's the whole ravi zacharias thing you know there's some people saying uh that uh he basically deconstructed the whole idea that the criticism of evil you know why the the atheist uh rejection of god like why does evil exist or why do bad things happen, you know? And, you know, Ravi Zacharias' whole deconstruction was if you believe in evil, that means you believe in good. If you believe in good, that means you believe in some kind of objective moral law giver. And that moral law giver is God, but you don't believe in God. So there is no objective uh, moral value that which you can truly stand on. And therefore, there is no good. Therefore, there is no evil. Therefore, you don't have an argument when you criticize, hey, there's evil in the world. How can there be no God? So right. that whole apologetic is... Uh, is more at the core here if you want to get into the the presuppositional elements of this conversation. But uh, yeah, I, I just think well, this is interesting when yeah. you talk about language and politics. It's all sort of a, a propaganda yeah, it's one of the machinery. things we're most yeah. It's one, sorry to interrupt. No, but it's ahead. one of the things we're we're most passionate about because that's how the media does most of its manipulation. Mm-hmm. 
most of the manipulation is not straight out lying about facts. Right. That certainly happens sometimes. Um, but you got to watch out because that's why we read CNN articles at, alongside, you know, a Fox article or something like that, because you'll get the exact same facts, but it's just the rhetoric used mm-hmm. is where the, the mind bending manipulation happens. They can right. be saying the exact same thing, but just depending on the way you say it. And this, uh, you know, article we just read is a great example of that. You can yeah. say the exact things. And um, I can't find the term I was looking for is the craziest term I just heard for uh pro-abortion but you know obviously pro-life and pro-choice are very specifically chosen but now depending on what side of that you're on like a pro-lifer doesn't call uh a somebody a pro-choice person they call them anti-life and right. same with pro-choice people they don't call pro-life people you know some pro-life they call them anti-choice because that's <laughs> uh you know the 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 rhetorical manipulation that they need to use to get people on their side. Yeah. Yeah. I like how that whole, my body, my choice thing has been used by the anti-maskers recently. Yeah, and, yeah. Then, that, and then that was a great use of it. I loved watching oh, I, that. I did too, but it's funny how the other side came back with like, well, this is different because you're affecting other people. And it's like, Oh, okay. So babies aren't other people. <laughs> right. Just yeah. put themselves in a little trap there. But anyway, yeah. that's uh, you know, this is a conversation right. that's ongoing. And uh, let's get on to one more story before we break. Do you want to do that real quick? The uh, yeah, let's let's do it. Okay, we here it. we go. We will launch a new age. Speaking of the man climbing ladders and getting to the top, and this is psychopaths the, and psychopaths. <laughs> this is the Intelligencer, uh, brought to you by MSN.com. Thank you, no paywall. The key takeaways from the Times's Trump tax return investigation. As you all know, everyone's been waiting for the, the Trump oh taxes. I cannot stand this. Trump this is tax. So frustrating. Dad, he's not paid any tax, Basil. Oh, my gosh. On, on Sunday, the New York Times published a massive investigation into President Trump's tax returns, revealing years of aggressive write-offs, tax avoidance, and staggering losses. The report comes, uh, comes at an inopportune time for the, a president facing an uphill re-election battle in a potential investigation for tax fraud by the Manhattan District Attorney. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think this, is, uh, this was not planned. I mean, this is for sure <laughs> planned. Uh, it won't be the last one either. The Times notes that the report just, quote, offers an overview of their findings. Additional articles will be published in the coming weeks. Ooh, convenient mm. coming up to the elections. Below are the most important takeaways from the Times' reporting into Trump's financial stress and expansive debt. Trump paid $0 in federal income tax in 10 of the last 15 years. Though the president has claimed that he has nothing to hide in the tax returns that he has refused to release to the American public, mostly because they're being audited, right? Uh, He probably won't be thrilled by the Times' disclosure that he has paid no federal income in 10 of the last 15 years and only 11 times in the last 18 years. Trump reported losing more money than he made in the years he did not pay, a detail that undermines his already spurious claim that he is a business guru. (laughs) This only implies... so frustrating. I think people only buy this if they don't know how this works, 
but uh, here's yeah, I Jim. know. We'll get into yeah. it. Get, just read enough to where you're satisfied. Okay. President Trump paid only $750 in U.S. taxes in 2016, the year oh he God. ran I'm for looking president. at a Biden tweet. They will not let up on this 750 no. number. No. Uh, <laughs> okay, wait, wait, wait. Since you just said it, I'm looking at Biden tweet right now. Okay. Whether it's $7.50, 75 or 750 every donation makes a big difference during this final stretch. Oh, gosh. Chip in and help us get Donald Trump out of the White House. Genius. Whoever did this tweet <laughs> needs a raise and a promotion and a cookie because jumping on this 750 number for donations to Joe Biden... Maybe we need to jump on this number. Let's, <laughs> that's, that'll be our special. Okay. All right. That's our special. I'm naming it right now. Uh, if you do for the next, you know, who knows? We'll do it for next episode, but maybe this whole week. If you donate, <laughs> if you become a producer, and we'll do the exact same Biden thing. We'll talk about it later. I'll, do, okay. I'll talk about it in the break. I'm going to save right. this. Okay, so yeah, uh, $750 in the U.S. to uh, blah, blah, blah. In addition, according to the Times, that seems to only have happened because, quote, his accountants appear to have carved out an allowance for a small tax liability in those years since Trump had enough tax credits to owe no taxes at all. For a little context, Vox's Dylan Matthews notes that, quote, a single adult would only need to make $17,900 to pay $750 in federal income taxes. The amount he paid in U.S. taxes in 2017 was also far less than his businesses paid at some other countries overseas. Per the Times, Trump's companies paid more than $145,000 in taxes to India that year, more than $156,000 to the Philippines, and more than $15,000 to Panama. As the nation correspondent Jeet here notes, Trump's 2016 tax responsibility was dwarfed by other concerns. Uh, 20, then Jeet here tweeted out in 2016, Trump paid and, oh no, $129,250 more to Stormy Daniels than to the U.S. government. And here's an interesting historical comparison. Another tweet by Nathan H. Rubin. Here's a fun fact. Abraham Lincoln paid more income tax in 1864, $1,279.13 <laughs> than wow, billionaire. Lincoln was loaded, man. I, I was going to say, is that including the... Uh, that was a lot for back then. Yeah, the, the inflation rate or... Okay, so uh, it says here, as the time points out, Trump decided to run for president in 2015 after and perhaps in part because his core businesses had, report, had reported more than $100 million in losses over the pre previous two years. Or as the report put it, a point in which, quote, the river of celebrity driven income that had long buoyed his businesses was running dry. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah blah, blah, it's, blah. it's just uh, I don't even know if we should finish. No, it we don't have it's, to. It's just uh, there. It's first of all, it's insulting. The way that everybody is reporting this is insulting. Um, because the big thing is he only paid $750 in taxes. He paid no taxes because he his businesses lost money. Ooh, what a horrible guy. He's a bad businessman. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, uh, it's so insulting that they would think that the American public wouldn't see right through that. Yeah, billionaires don't become billionaires if they pay taxes. That's the whole point. <laughs> When you get that much money, you get that much money because you've figured out how to not give it all to the government. 
And look, I'm not saying that nobody should go out there and pay taxes. We got to, I don't want anybody knocking on my door. I pay my taxes. Yeah. The problem is, yeah, I mean, let's look into Jeff Bezos. Let's look into uh, Bill Gates. You know, mm. when it comes to, even with Gates, with uh, all the charitable giving, you know, he's barely paying any taxes. Yeah. Uh, charitable giving to his own foundation, his own of course. Yeah, let's not forget Shoot that. Shoot things right into the vein. Yeah. And yeah, if you're able to report losses, you report losses. That's what you do. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's no. how you not pay taxes. Now, it, it, it did Trump, it, has he done everything legally? I don't know. I have no way of saying if there was any, you know, illegal actions. But the fact of the matter is, this is not even a moral judgment. The way that the tax system is set up is if you're smart and you get a lot of money, you, there are loopholes and things you can do that are perfectly legal to where you won't need to pay any taxes. So the fact that Trump didn't pay taxes, I don't know. Maybe there was something illegal or maybe he just knew what to do. And that's you know, like any billionaire or multimillionaire. You know, if you know how to play the game, that's what it is. It's a game for rich people. This tax game is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a lot of businesses what they do is they have to borrow money, right? To, to actually yeah. try to pay for things. And so most businesses don't have profit, especially like the first few years. Uh, you're taking a tremendous amount of risk. And I mean, he's taking big risks by yeah. putting together huge buildings and huge well, construction jobs and all that. So, yeah. And the fact of the matter is, again, you don't become a billionaire because you made a billion dollars in cash. That's right. not how it works. Yeah. You don't become a billionaire unless you have get a get lucky and B you play this game, this debt game. Mm -hmm. You buy a small thing, then you leverage that to get a bigger loan and then you buy something with that, then you leverage that to get an even bigger loan. Then you right. buy a tower and then you leverage that to, you know, billionaires are basically with a few exceptions billionaires are basically made on just getting humongous loans yeah. and then leveraging that loan against another humongous loan. Most billionaires have almost no cash. Right. I mean, they'll have cash to, you know, they'll have some cash, but nowhere near what their, you know, their image will uh, exude. Well, especially, and I don't know all the ins and outs of this, but I, to my understanding, and someone can correct me if I'm totally wrong here, but the people in real estate, especially, can put it in like big billionaire types with real estate, can put a lot of their properties uh, up as collateral and borrow against their own stuff, their own assets. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so that's, that's, it's, you know, you don't, you don't pay taxes when you do that because you're risking your whole, your own stuff. Yeah, it's about risk. Yeah. You know, billionaires, the more risks you take, the less taxes you have to pay. Right. And so if you leverage your entire, you know, empire and it's leaning towards the risk side, you're not going to pay much or any taxes. Right. And, you know, what we know about Trump, he's a big risk taker. So, yeah. Yeah. yes, I'm, and, I'm sure that Trump's wealth is all a, a house of cards. 
And that's what most billionaires' wealth is. It's yeah. a house of cards. It's financial right. tricks right, right. to they go don't... <laughs> from having millions in cash to billions in assets. Right, right. That's what yeah, that's the point I wanted to make. Most billionaires don't have like they don't open their, their Bank of America account and say, <laughs> look <laughs> yeah. at my one hundred and sixty billion dollars in my right. bank account. That's not right. how it works. It, they have their they're, you know, fund managers and all these people and, and it's all tied up in assets and stocks and bonds and, you know, yeah. it's, it's all. Oh, and, and Becca Mo in the chat, a good reminder. Thank you. Business credit is not the same as personal credit. Yeah, You know, if you're, a, yeah, if you're a corporation and you get into the whole business credit game, that's a whole nother mm. monster. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's not to dismiss the whole concept of t- taxation as theft. And and that whole thing, we know, we know that, uh, but we're just saying who's playing the game well and people yeah. that know how to play the game and leverage the laws and, and not get caught in the crazy, wild, you know, confusing aspect of taxation. They mm-hmm. can keep their money or keep their, their, their uh, profits uh, over time and use it properly and to invest into other things. And you're able right. to sort of not, not pay taxes, quote unquote. Uh, but again, you know, this is uh, yeah. And now here's the thing to go to the political side. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, now we've rambled on about (laughs) the small amount we know about billionaire taxes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But to go to the political side of this, you know, you think of it politically, first of all, (laughs) there is a large portion of this country that when they hear that Trump didn't pay taxes, they're not offended. They're impressed. Yeah. <laughs> like, That's true. Like, there's a big. There's a back. I, there's there, a backward uh, or a reverse a big, thing happening. Right. There's a big misstep that I feel like a lot of the mainstream media is taking, where they think that we care if he paid taxes or not. For a lot of people in this country, they hear Trump didn't pay taxes for 15 years, and they go, "Wow, this is a smart guy." <laughs> How did he figure this out? This is the only two conclusions are that it's either. Wow. This dude's super smart and figured this out, or he's a criminal. Right. Not paying his taxes. That's that's the only other side of it is there is a class and a type of person in this country who gets the, you know, like most people, they get their taxes taken straight out of their paycheck Mm -hmm. against their will. They don't have the choice to not pay taxes. And this just makes them angry, not because they think Trump should be pulling his weight. I mean, maybe that's what they'll say. They'll they'll say that. But in their heart, it's because they're jealous and they (laughs) their taxes are pulled right out of their pockets without any permission or anything. And it's a bad system and they don't like it. Nobody likes it. And so if somebody isn't paying their taxes when I get it taken straight out of my pocket, then that's an evil person because I'm jealous. Yeah. And also just as a mention, we won't get into it obviously, but there is uh, some record of Trump being bailed out by the, the Rothschilds. Oh, oh in the plenty 80s. of, yes. Yeah. Deutsche through Deutsche, Deutsche bank. bank and, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. not like his hands are clean. We're not, that's not what we're saying. We're just saying that uh, he, he kind of knows how to play the game and this is a political move. Obviously, you know, Ooh, dental bean brought up Babylonian money magic too. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, we should. Oh man, that would be a fun deep dive. Talk about the magic bag of Hermes, right? And the uh, occult money magic stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good okay. stuff. Okay, okay, moving on. All right. 
Um, so, yeah, I don't know if there's much else to say about that. I just thought it was funny because everybody, you know, all these mainstream things coming out. What an evil guy didn't pay his taxes. And I'm thinking there are tens of millions, if not hundreds <laughs> of millions, Americans reading this being like, dang, what a smart guy. <laughs> Total backfire. But yeah. uh, I think it's break time. Yeah, let's take a break. Come on, break jingle. It's He had a voice-activated jingle board. <laughs> That'd be infuriating. That just would. Siri in charge of playing all the jingles. Okay, everybody, we're just going to take a quick break. But don't go anywhere, because after the break, we've got CERN and Silicon Valley oh, teaming yeah. up oh, yeah. for a very important reason, and we need to talk about that. We've also got uh, some a real a, kind of a breakthrough in time travel, believe it or not. A uh, very interesting story there. And then, of course, everybody's favorite, the Nephilim update. But first, we want to thank some of our new Twitch followers and some of our producers, because our producers are the ones that keep this show going. But first, real quick, Gons, I want to zoom through the new Twitch follower Oops. list. Are you ready? You heard it. You just heard it there a little early, uh, but yes. Oh, I missed it. Okay, yeah. here we go. Uh, first of all, I want to thank Julian DG. All right, Julian. Thank you, Julian. Uh, Mungandi. Mungandi. What Electric kind of? hieroglyphs. Ooh. Yeah. Sounds Beckamo. Old. Just for Canary Cry. Hey. Flat Earth Cookie. H. Starline. Bible prophecy talk. Hey, is that Chris White? I don't know. Could be yeah, Chris could White. Be. Chris, if that's you, let me know. I've been, I've been, uh, Chris and I have been poking each other on Twitch, uh, not Twitch, Twitter recently. Poking, um, huh? Poppy Nasio. And lastly, <laughs> future X Mrs. Mecca Basil. <laughs> Future X already? Wow. This future, is a... future X Mecha Bass. So this oh, is okay, my okay. future X robot wife, apparently. <laughs> wow, man. People are just the, the lifetimes that that come through from the names is just I, th I you know what I think? It's the time travel paradoxes are uh, starting yeah. to catch up with me. They're all getting yeah. Yes, all I played up. it fast and loose early on with the time travel, <laughs> and it's all catching up to me now. Okay, <sighs> now. Now, Gonzo, I think it's time we thank some producers. And some of you, if you're new, you may be thinking, what? Producers? That's right. Producers. We are on the value for value model. And that means that uh, we do not take money from corporations um, to do this show. We do not believe in considering our audience as numbers to be uh, cattle, to be loaded up and sold to big corporations. You guys uh, give us your trust. You give us your attention and it just doesn't feel right to turn around and treat you as a commodity and sell your attention to big corporations for our own personal gain many of you have watched the social dilemma which uh you know does a great job of explaining why online advertising is uh the image of the beast and going to cause the apocalypse um but you know we've been on that trade for a train for a long time so that's why we go uh, with the value for value model, which means we put out value. We do the show three times a week and we do a pretty good job. 
And if you get any value, whether it's the analysis or the jokes or the jingles or whatever it is that you enjoy about the show, if you get value, you have the opportunity to put value in. And it's not it's not just a charity. It isn't a charity thing. I mean, this is a piece of media. If you pay for a piece of media to be created, you're not just a donor. You are a producer. So we want to thank some of our producers. Um, and we're going to start over at uh, patreon.com slash CCNT for your Canary Cry News Talk. And uh, we had a new one come in, so I'm going to add it on the list, Gons. Okay. I want to start out by thanking Rami, producer Rami. Hey, Rami. Thank you very much, producer Rami. Rami grown up. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just learned Rami is actually a Middle Eastern name. Uh, so thank you, Rami. Next, we have Sean, producer Sean. Thank you, Sean. Thank you very much, producer Sean. And lastly, on patreon.com slash CCNT, we have producer Jessica. Thank you so much, Jessica. Jessica. Yes, we can't do the show without you guys. We appreciate it. Now I'm going to jump over to patreon.com slash canarycryradio. Two separate Patreons. I know it's confusing, but... uh, Patreon.com slash Canary Cry Radio. We have new producer, Sarah. Oops, wrong one. There we go. There, thank you, Sarah. Sarah. And we have new producer, Don. Don. Thank you very much, Don. Don of the producer. Yes. (laughs) Um, There we go. Now, if you want to become a producer, you can head over to patreon.com slash CCNT for Canary Cry News Talk. Uh, It's much appreciated. Well, there's plenty of levels there. You can come in at any amount you want as well. But, you know, if you don't like Patreon, a lot of people don't like Patreon. That's okay. If you don't, you can head on over to canarycryradio.com slash support. Canary Cry Radio. That's right. Now, over there at canarycryradio.com support, we got PayPal options, monthly uh, support amounts, as well as one-time amounts if commitment is not your thing. We've also got cryptocurrency, all sorts of fun ways to support the show. Gons, who's coming over on PayPal? Well, we had three people come in uh, other than the the uh, subscribers, thank you for all the subscriptions out there. Uh, we had producer Christopher come in with $33. Ooh, the f- in the 33 gang. The 33 club. <laughs> yes, the organic movement. Right. Yes. We did not. We, we, I still get messages about, I can't believe you're taking 33 donations, you shill. It wasn't <laughs> me. It wasn't me. It was an organic movement from producers. Uh, but thank you very much, Christopher. Yes, thank you, Christopher. Also in the 33 Take Back Club is Jason, $33. Jason. Thank you very much, Jason. We're, we are reclaiming the Illuminati uh, dog whistle number. <laughs> yes. And also coming in with support uh, producer Mark. Thank you, Mark. Mark. Thank you very much, Mark. 
Okay, very good. Thank you, Jessica, Sean, Rami, Sarah, Don, Christopher, Mark, and Jason, new producers to the show. We cannot do the show without people like this. So uh, if you're thinking about it, please consider becoming a producer. There's other ways too. Now, Gons, I think now is the time to uh, to lay it out. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Joe Biden. I can't I can't tell if I want to call it the Joe Biden or the Trump tax uh, <laughs> producership. I think. Trump Trump tax. Trump we're, tax sounds We're going to copy this directly from Joe Biden's Twitter. All right. <laughs> so any amount of like of seven, five and zero. So $7.50, $75. Oh my gosh. $750 would be awesome. But you know, something with 75, 750 like that. Uh, we'll call it the Trump tax producership. <laughs> okay. So we'll see if any of that comes in. Uh, the best place to do that would be at canarycryradio.com slash support. You have a little bit more flexibility in your exact numbers. But uh, there you go. If you were looking for a new fun <laughs> producership level, uh, 33, you know, is still there if you're interested. But uh, for a limited time, we'll do the Trump tax amount. <laughs> Excellent. And right. uh uh, just to, to mention the name of today's episode, Demonic Dogfight. It's a little bit of a uh, Prince of the Power of the Air reference, you know, Demonic Dogfight. Yes. You know? Yes, Got of it? course. Get it? Okay. And uh, of course, that's what we're in right now, this crazy spiritual battle. And uh, so we thank all the producers helping us out. You're helping, uh, helping us fight the good fight here. And uh, there's many ways you can support the show. With your treasure is one way that we've thanked already, but also you can send jingles in and artwork. And today we uh, we actually did receive a jingle from uh, hmm. D, which I think stands for David. Not a hundred percent on that, but I think it's from David. Well, uh, let us know say if it D, was then if well, he said D. Well, D, but also his thing had to David blow up his spot. Well, <laughs> yeah, let me uh, let me accidentally. Uh, blow up all the Davids listening I'm sorry, out there. Sorry, David. It wasn't my fault. It was Gons. Every David. Tons of David. King David? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but he sent in a voter fraud jingle that we will mm. play and sample here. <laughs> that will certainly. No, hold on. Before you play it, mm-hmm. this is some real producer thinking here because th- we haven't had a lot of voter fraud stories. So far, mm-hmm. we haven't really talked about it, yeah. but moving into the election, and as I've tweeted before, undoubtedly, this will be a disputed election and we'll go to the courts and it'll be a horrible situation mm-hmm. and voter fraud will be a huge part of it. This is some forward thinking yes. by a producer here. Yes, There's some, some, some watchman be- work. Yes. Before we had to ask for it, he knew it was coming and yep. he created it. Uh, and so my question is very direct. Is voting by mail secure? Not. <laughs> <laughs> is voting by mail secure? Not. So very good. Thank you for that. D for David or yep. for Devin or for Dimitri. I don't know. Or diamond. Or diamond. Diamond thief. Yeah. So thank you for that. We also have uh, another way you can support the show is through your artwork. One art, please. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we have some artwork to share with y'all. First Good. off, we have uh, some great, always, always great work from Mr. Magoo. Yes, this is microscopic basil and gons. Just keeps we getting just, smaller <laughs> just and smaller, smaller, Mr. Magoo. 
I, I'm afraid that he's going to send another one that's going to just be a couple dots. It'll it's, just be some dots. I can already see it yeah, coming. I, I see the progress. So thank you, Mr. <laughs> Magoo. Thank you very well much. Well thought out. And piece. it's uh, Gons and Basil, and we're so tiny, and there's a tiny little kitty, too. Yeah, can't, can't forget the kitty. And uh, so thank you for that. And we also got another one from Yvonne, and this is uh, a cage break. It's got a cage, a bird cage with the all-seeing eye in it. Ooh, and, yes. Uh, you and I. An old switcheroo. Yeah. The canary is out of the cage and yes. the Illuminati is in the cage. Yes. And uh, you and I are sitting outside of the cage. Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, the canary has a red pill in his mouth. And it's oh, is flying. that what that is? Yes, okay. it's a red pill. That makes more sense. Yes. I was so, like, oh, look, the canary has a berry snack. A ba- <laughs> no, the red <laughs> pill. That makes way more sense. <laughs> <laughs> or a, be- a berry snack for Basil. <laughs> Take this berry snack. Ooh. You'll just be tricked into taking the red build. Red build. Red, red build. Oh, gosh. Red build canary. Red pilled canary. Yes. I'm sure the good. red build canary is an actual thing. All right. Maybe. But very good. Who is this, Yvonne? Yvonne. Yes. Very Thank good, you, Yvonne. Yvonne. Thank you. Producer Yvonne. Producer Yvonne. And also, last but not least, we have one from Ali. Are one of our youngest producers that we know oh, of. You know what? Actually, I saw in the chat we have one more in the email. You're oh, going to need to get. Yeah, oh, I'll boy. talk about this one while okay. you try to do that. Okay. Okay, Ali, Gazel and Bonds in the chat. The youngest known producer following through with uh, our theme last show, and it's uh, it's me. But this time it's not uh, it's not me in my VR helmet. She did the uh, me wearing the beard. If you find me at a conference or something, some live event, I usually have my big humongous fake beard. (laughs) I'm sorry. I mean, real beard. And uh, I'm holding a kitty and this kitty is wearing a helmet. That's right. Nine lives, baby, is what it says. Then there's uh, two more cats down on the ground on the right. says Monty Support Crew. And that's right. They're all wearing helmets. Referring to my poor, poor Monty the Third, who died on the table getting neutered, but then was brought back to life by the very skilled vets. And uh, he was a little loopy, running into walls, needed helmets. And here it is, all the Montes with all their helmets. And uh, very good, Ali. Thank you. This is a very emotional piece for me. So I appreciate that very much. And uh, yeah, Ali, Gazelle and Bonds in the chat. Make sure to let her know that you are a fan of her uh, her prolific art career. She's I, I got to count up how many uh, pieces Ali has done, but it is certainly a lot. It's been like every single episode for at least a couple months probably more more than that yeah yeah i think three or four months so one of our most uh prolific producers yes and another one uh are you able to get it grab it i'm sorry i meant to mention that earlier i saw the artist mention it in the chat and i just was in the middle of something i didn't say it yes so thank you for ali for the uh the artwork here and uh, this one is from Jay Vela. Uh, Jay Vela. Jay Vela. And oh, you know what? It's upside down. Hold on one second. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta flip it over Technical here. Technical difficulties. Oh, this one's fun. Flip. 
All right, I'll start describing for the audio audience. Uh, So we've got another classic Jay Vela um, sort of montage, collage montage type thing. We've got um, some naval uh, vessels. We've got a big aircraft carrier in the middle, some destroyers on the side. Uh, We've got uh, about a dozen, two dozen um, national flags flying. We've got Israel, Greece, I see there, Turkey, uh, Afghanistan. China, China, Japan, all over the place. Australia's oh, yeah. there, New Zealand's there. Um, then we've got an elephant stomping on what looks to be a, a dragon, like a, a demon dragon mm-hmm. with wings. And then, uh, of course, good old American bald eagle zipping through. Oh, and there's a, an American flag, but it's a little tattered. Mm-hmm. And there seems, what do you think that is? Some sort of, uh, you think that's a UFO or like a stealth aircraft? Either stealth craft or the TR-3B. The uh, the alleged triangular craft, ah yes, owned by the U.S. government, there. but not known yeah. publicly. Yeah, very good, very Pretty cool. Good. Thank you so much, Jay Vela. Was there a title on this one? Um, let's see, Mediterranean Melee. Ooh, coming soon to the uh, Pacific near you. <laughs> so there you go. There's been a lot of staging, U.S. naval staging, right. um, over there. Not it, definitely in the Mediterranean, but also in the. Ooh, can I remember my nautical geography? No, I can't. Strait of <laughs> Strait of Hormuz is oh, yeah. that the one that borders uh, wherever it That's is? One of them. Anyways. Very good, Jay Vela. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jay Vela. I do want to take a second. Um, first of all, thank you to all of our artists, jingle makers, and producers. We cannot do the show without you. You are probably more important than I am at this point for keeping the show going. Um, but also, I want to give a shout out to this intangible existence who joins us for the first time in the uh, live show. Um, I did uh, I did a uh, Joy Spiracy theory episode with. Um, this intangible existence. It's a great one. Great story. Great guy. Um, so there you go. Thanks for being here. Long time uh, listeners of all of our stuff. So Very cool. glad you made it to the live. And there you go, folks. Am I forgetting something? Am I moving on too you fast? Had, you had like a note or something in the dock mm. that had mm-hmm. like a giant green highlight. Oh, I'm not oh, sure what oh, that let was. Let me find it. Oh, you know what? This was from... This was the note that Christopher sent. I believe it was Christopher. Shoot. Oh, okay. I would have to go into the email. I don't know. I just saw a note come in with the thing and I thought maybe, you know, it was the 33 donation. So we'd read the note. It just said, good work. You shills JK. Great work for the kingdom. The only thing this podcast needs is ads said no one ever. All right. That's right. I, 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 forgive me if it wasn't Christopher. It may have been Christopher or Mark or Jason. But uh, whoever it was, thank you so much. Um, Okay, so there you go. Thank you. Please remember us for next show. We need supporters. Uh, We need uh, producers, rather. We'll be back on Wednesday, which will be the 30th of September. um, Sometime between noon and 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And uh, we've got, if you've been thinking about becoming a producer, please consider it in the next couple days. um, Because not only is there the 33 uh, take back producership, but there's also now the 750 uh, tax Trump producership. Um, I saw actually somebody jumped on that one real quick and they will be on the list for next week. Nice. Or next episode. 
Next episode, yes. Two yes. days. From and now. a quick thank you to That Night Wind continually providing us with the timestamps on the Face Like the Sun channel for anybody yes. who uh, wants to skip through. Our essential worker. Yes. Um, giving our ta- timestamps for the YouTube episode where people can jump around and listen to whatever topic that we are talking about instead of listening to all of our nonsense in between. So thank you very much. Okay, here we go. I think it's time to wake up, Gons. Yes, it's wake up time. Hey, y'all, wake up. Okie dokie, wake up, folks. I'll start this one off if you don't mind. Well, let me play the jingle then. Play it. Speaking of the beast system, beast system. That's right, virtualstrategy.com, virtualstrategy.com, the article, <laughs> I just felt super it's getting intense. real, yeah, real into virtual it. strategy, the headline is Vector Space AI and CERN create natural language processing, NLP, uh, data sets in particle physics with applications in artificial intelligence for every industry. What does that mean? Well, hold on. Before you go on, okay. I thought this was interesting because natural language processing, they're yes. using the NLP uh, yeah. synonym? Yeah, uh, acronym. No, acronym. Thank you. Uh, and but NLP is neuro linguistic programming as well, so yes. kind of interesting that they are they kind of switching it up. Natural the language switcheroo. processing. The old switcheroo, which yeah. would be a neuro linguistic processing trick. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So they're on top of it here. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, the article reads, San Francisco and Geneva, September 26, 2020. Vector Space AI and CERN, the European Organization for Nuclear Research and Portal to Hell opener that will release (laughs) the demons and locusts and things. And the largest particle physics laboratory in the world are creating data sets used to detect hidden relationships between particles, which have broad implications across multiple industries. These data sets can provide a significant increase in precision, accuracy, signal, or alpha, and for any company in any industry. For commercial use, data sets are just 99 cents per minute (laughs) and 99 cents per data source, row, column, and context with additional configure. There's going to be some technological technological language here, so Mm -hmm. bear with us. With additional configurations and options available on a case-by-case SAS or software DAS. as a service and desktop yeah. as a service. That's right. Based monthly subscription, over 100 billion unique and powerful data sets are available based on customized data sources, rows, columns, or language models. While data can be viewed as unrefined crude oil, Vector Space AI produces data sets which are the refined gasoline powering all artificial intelligence in machine learning systems. Latest research suggests the next big breakthrough in AI will be around language. Data sets, I cannot say that word. Data sets are algorithmically generated based on formal natural language processing understanding models including OpenAI's GPT-3, Google's BERT, along with Word2Vec and other models which were built on top of the vector space applications. I'm realizing the rest of this 
article is pretty nonsensical to the average listener. <laughs> Let me find well, something that might sum it up for us, and then I'll do my own summary. Okay. Well, there's a section uh, in the second paragraph after about vector space AI that has a couple pieces that uh, explain it somewhat articulately. Okay, let's get into it. Vector Space AI is revenue positive, yay, with current customers, partners, and collaborators, including CERN, S&P Global, Amazon, Microsoft, and Elastic, so very connected company. Mm -hmm. Current competitors include Palantir, Google, and SAS. Vector Space AI science and technology originated in life sciences and currently focuses on context-controlled NLP, NLU, and feature engineering for hidden relationship detection in data for the purpose of powering advanced approaches in artificial intelligence and machine learning. Our platform powers research groups, data vendors, funds, and institutions by generating on-demand NLP correlation matrix data sets. <laughs> we are particularly interested in how we can engineer machines to trade information with one another or exchange and transact data in a way that minimizes a selected loss function. Our objective is to enable any group analyzing data. Now, remember the article we read mm -hmm. earlier mm -hmm. uh, with Cambridge Analytica and megachurches. Our objective is to enable any group analyzing data to save time by testing a hypothesis or running experiments with higher throughput. This can increase the speed of innovation, novel scientific breakthroughs, and discoveries. Vectorspace AI offers NLP services and alternative data sets consisting of correlating matrices, context-controlled sentiment scoring, and other automatically engineered features feature attributes. These services are available utilize, utilizing the VXV token. Oh, it's a cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. The twist at the end. Wow. These services are available using the VXV token and VXV wallet enabled API. Vectorspace AI is a spinoff from Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory and the U.S. Department of Energy. The team holds patents in the area of hidden relationship discovery. Wow. That really mm -hmm. threw me for a loop there at the end. So. Just for a quick summary, we've got Vectorspace AI, which is a spinoff of the, uh, the DOE, the Department of Energy and Berkeley National Laboratory, famous uh, institution there. Um, and they are partnering with CERN to, cr to uh, create new ways of artificial intelligence uh, to process data, which might not seem too exciting, but we'll get into why it is. But on top of that, they're mixing a cryptocurrency in, in order to access the service, which seems unreasonable. But... <laughs> I was going to wait to see what you it's thought about that. A, just a real crazy twist there at the end. Now, those of you, of course, who've been listening to the show for a while uh, have heard all of the crazy things about CERN. And if you don't know, CERN is the... Uh, the Large Hadron Collider that smashes particles together, opening up many black holes and discovering the God particle and 
you know, they've got a nice uh, uh, statue of Shiva outside the headquarters there. So, you know, where they stand uh, creating and destroying at the same time. Um, and of course, there's connections with uh, lots of biblical references to the end times that have sort of fluttered around CERN. But now all that crazy uh, quantum data that CERN has been collecting, um, they are sharing their secrets with vector space AI in order to improve artificial intelligence. Because inevitably, you know, it's hard to enslave 9 billion people. And if AI is going to do it correctly, they're going to need some uh, some better better data sets there. Yeah, and it's also interesting that it's all going to be on blockchain. That's right. It's all on blockchain, all enabled with uh, cryptocurrency. They called it a token. So get off their backs, SEC. <laughs> it's not a security. Uh, you know, <laughs> one of the things that's interesting here is it mentions how their competitors include Palantir, Google, and SAS. If you go mm -hmm. to Palantir's website, and we've talked about the the whole idea here about you know, how this is all coming together, yeah. Uh, there's a whole section and about section of Palantir where we're going. Uh, organizations around the world are using Palantir to help them do most uh, do their most important work. With Palantir, investigators are uncovering human trafficking rings, finding Whoa. exploited children. Hmm. and unraveling complex financial crimes. All of it have to do with the UN 2030 agenda. It's really interesting to see how these big tech sort of, you know, technology corporations and uh, I guess data collection services like CERN and Microsoft right. and Amazon, all of it uh, are kind of working together. It's starting to consolidate into this giant quote unquote cleanup job of the world. And I think this is another step in that direction to really supercharge the AI to create uh, data sets and accessible data set pipeline processing and stuff yeah. using blockchain and everything else to, uh, to, to implement some of these factors, this, the 2030 sustainable development agenda. So it's, it's interesting to see these things yeah. come together quietly in the background. I don't think you're going to find too many people uh, reporting on vector space AI. In yeah, the, in the, well, totally. You're space. not going to hear this anywhere else. And let me summarize it for you. Let me even summarize the summary. Okay. Um, as we know, artificial intelligence, even the creators of artificial intelligence, the mm -hmm. guys who create it, build it, uh, deploy it, that kind of stuff. AI is kind of a black box, which right. means they build it and they know what they put in and they know what they get out, but they don't know what happens inside uh, of the AI. They're not exactly sure how AI comes to the conclusions that it does. Now, uh, the inside of AI is constructed using data sets, mm -hmm. which uh, Vector Space is going to be getting from CERN, which CERN got from smashing particles together. <laughs> right? So they're taking the data sets, the information that CERN has deduced by, you know, exploring this, the black holes and smallest possible incarnations of matter, uh, all the mysterious, nonsensical world of quantum physics, 
all that data is going to be put into the black box <laughs> that and used uh, to, uh, you know, it's going to be what powers the black box that we have no idea. So uh, in theory, in, in somebody's theory, uh, you know, you've got CERN, which is ripping open the time-space continuum. Now, all the data of ripping open time-space <laughs> is going to be processing uh, in artificial intelligence that's going to be driving our driverless cars, uh, flying our security drones inside of our house. Uh, this this is a, a step towards Skynet that I hadn't even considered could be possible. <laughs> this really? might you be the X factor. Uh, I, I didn't. Th- I didn't think CERN would take all the data sets from their time space uh, disruptions and make it commercially available. Oh, specifically for ninety nine cents per minute slash update <laughs> and ninety nine cents per data source. We have an actual price on what. Uh, what it's going to cost Skynet to awaken. Yeah. Uh, the other part of it too, just to keep in mind, and there's cryptocurrency and there's crypto and, and, and connecting it to other things here. Uh, first we have Oracle. Remember Oracle was the one that's supposed to buy TikTok or partner with TikTok. Right. And Oracle is the one that provides the desktop, uh, you know, information portal for all of CERN. So there's mm. another connection point there. And if we're talking about, behavioral analytics and manipulation psychology and stuff like that. You talk about TikTok, you know, people going crazy on TikTok, right. having all mm-hmm. the, all that data available to process <laughs> from, from oh smashing particles to people's 30 second video behavior patterns. Right. And all that. Exactly. I mean, it's just so all one big, yeah. The same, uh, let's just to simplify it's, it's the same, uh, uh, Software is the wrong word, but the same software that is analyzing the destruction of atoms and the existence of the Higgs boson particle will now be available to uh, to process the big data from your teenager's TikTok dance video. (laughs) And the other part of it being, uh, I think the partners here said Microsoft. Microsoft was the one that patented earlier this year. Uh, people made a huge deal about the 060606, right. uh, the, the crypto mining patent. And, right. uh, you know, it's not necessarily that it's exactly the mark of the beast, although, you know, people, I'm sure they're trolling over there in Microsoft, like, hey, yeah. you want to stir up the fringe Christians? You know, the crazy, crazy believers <laughs> out there will just put the 060. Anyway. Uh, that patent had to do with mining cryptocurrency and having the proof of work algorithm connected to some kind of biometric where, mm-hmm. you know, you can get on a, a I don't know, like a, a, a stationary bike or something and mine cryptocurrencies. And, and again, what I mentioned at the time when, and you know, it's, people always complain, Oh, why aren't you doing your own videos anymore? One of the videos I did was a big breakdown on that and on the patent itself. And it was clear that the patent wasn't really talking about, you know, Bitcoin or these other decentralized projects. It was really focused on centralized cryptocurrencies of which something like vector space AI would be. So now we have this possibility of, hey, how are we going to generate the energy? How are we going to 
power this whole thing? Well, we're just going to connect people to the machine and have them exercise. So they're in good shape. And also <sighs> they can provide uh, data, more data. They're yeah. you know, biological data to help support this whole apparatus. It's just getting kind of wild, you know, just honestly, all the, guns, the setup. Yeah. Honestly, this it's hard to understand. And I hope we did an okay of simplifying it enough for those who don't spend their entire 24 hour day <laughs> looking into these things like yeah, we do. Yeah. Um, but this really is the biggest step towards a, a true th- threatening AI, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the context of, you know, biblical prophecy and, and quantum physics and stuff like that. This really is the biggest step, not joking towards, you know, Skynet waking up and, us completely losing control of artificial intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. And this is probably why you had guys like Elon Musk tell us a few years ago, like, Oh, we better, Hey, you know, he's, he's doing his whole Neuralink presentation because mm-hmm. I'm sure he knows that the, the clock is ticking with this stuff. And uh, of course his perspective isn't so much that, Hey, well, let's end it. It's his, his thing is not so much. Stop this progress before it is too late, but it's more like let's merge with it. Let's let's right. ride this wave, you know. Yeah, and, when uh, when uh, Neuralink, you know, is enabled with this AI. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, this end. is a whole another. That's the Borg. Talk full about hive mind. Yeah, yeah, it's full the whole simulation, folks. I know it's just wild how all the and it's not just crazy fringe conspiracy theory. This is like the actual nuts and bolts. Uh, yeah. You know, the business side of things, the technological infrastructure side of things, they already have the globalist, you know, sustainable development 2030 agenda. All that stuff is in place. I mean, I don't know. I don't know about you, but I don't think voting for either Trump or Biden is going to stop this thing from continuing to roll forward. No, they couldn't understand it if they tried. Yeah. Um, They're just going to do whatever the billionaires tell them to do. I know. Yeah. All right, uh, there we go. I don't think there's much more to say about that. Yeah, let's do uh, let's do a quick story about uh, time travel. Yes. And this one's for you, Basil. This is NPR.org, our favorite favorite out output outline. Huzzah! Yeah, paradox-free time travel is theoretically possible. Researchers say. Oh, that's great news. And they have this cute dog in a Marty McFly (laughs) vest riding a cardboard DeLorean. I love it. I love this picture. (laughs) Brings me joy. Okay. (laughs) The past is obdurate. Am I saying that right? uh, Stephen King wrote in his book about a man who goes back in time to prevent the Kennedy assassination. Quote, it doesn't want to be changed. Turns out you can say that again. Yeah. Turns out King might have been onto something. Countless science fiction tales have explored the paradox of what would happen if you do something in the past that endangers the future. Perhaps one of the most famous pop culture examples is Back to the Future, when Marty McFly went back in time and accidentally stopped his parents from meeting, putting his own existence in jeopardy. Yeah, he almost almost, uh, became his own father. But maybe McFly wasn't in much danger after all. According according a new paper, is that a typo? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Typo alert. According to a new paper from researchers at the University of Queensland, even if time travel were possible, the paradox couldn't actually exist. Researchers ran the numbers and determined that even if you make a change in the past, 
the timeline would essentially self-correct, ensuring that whatever happened to uh, whatever happened to send you back in time would still happen. Quote, say you traveled in time in an attempt to stop COVID-19's patient zero from being exposed to the virus. University of Queensland scientist Fabio Costa told the university's news service. I'm just picturing Fabio now yeah. saying this. Quote, however, if you stopped that individual from becoming infected, that would eliminate the motivation for you to go back and stop the pandemic in the first place, said Costa, Whoa. who co-authored the paper with honors undergraduate student Jermaine Tobar. Quote, this is a paradox, an inconsistency that often leads people to think that time travel cannot occur in our universe. A variation is known as the grandfather paradox in which a time traveler kills their own grandfather in the process, preventing the time traveler's birth. The logical paradox has given researchers a headache in part because according to Einstein's theory of general relativity, quote, closed time like curves are possible, theoretically allowing an observer to travel back in time and interact with their past self and potentially endangering their own existence. But these researchers say that such a paradox wouldn't necessarily exist because events would adjust themselves. Take the coronavirus patient zero example. Quote, you might try and stop patient zero from becoming infected, but in doing so, you would catch the virus and become patient zero. <laughs> <laughs> or someone else would, Tobar told the university's news service. In other words, a time traveler could make changes, but the original outcome would still find a way to happen. Maybe not the same way it happened in the first timeline, but close enough so that the time traveler would still exist and would still be motivated to go back in time. Quote, no matter what you did, the salient events would just recalibrate around you, Tobar said. Yeah, the this was uh, explored in the Umbrella Academy. I was going to uh, say it was also explored in uh, the one I the show I just watched recently on on the uh, the Netflix there. I can't remember what it was called now. Mm. Travelers. I think it was called Travelers. Mm -hmm. and they come from the future and take over bodies, the whole deal. Uh, the paper, quote, reversible dynamics with closed timeline curves and freedom of choice was published last week in a peer-reviewed journal, Classical and Quantum Gravity. The findings seem consistent with another time travel study published this summer in the peer-reviewed journal Physi uh, Physical Review Letters. That, that study found that changes made in the past won't drastically alter the future. Best-selling science fiction author Blake Crouch who has written extensively about time travel, said the new study seems to support what certain time travel tropes have posited all along. Quote, the universe is deterministic and attempts to alter past event X are destined to be the forces which bring past event X into being, Crouch told NPR via email. Quote, so the future can affect the past, or maybe time is just an illusion, but I guess it's cool that the math checks out. So there you go, Basil. I guess it's cool. <laughs> I guess it's cool. The math checks out. <laughs> but uh, anything you try to prevent in the past is pointless because you either become the problem or the universe finds its own way to Yeah, I'm looking forward. at their calculations now, and I can already see uh, a couple of mistakes. So I'll <laughs> just be emailing them and letting them know. Okay. All right. I was going to say. Yeah. Well, we're all just happy in our people zoo. <laughs> I thought you were going to be happy, but no, you must find the no, no, math. no. I got to set these guys straight. Okay. I, I see what they're getting at, but they're not quite there. All right. Well, I tried. 
I tried to make you happy and <laughs> <laughs> failed. Maybe you can go back in time. Well, and- you know, and this is a convenient, um, this is a convenient theory as far as time travel goes, because mm-hmm. it simultaneously allows for the existence of time travel, but takes away any possibility of consequence. Right. Um, so, <laughs> so really what this is, is a propaganda piece ah. to keep people from actually time traveling. Just being like, don't even try. You uh-huh. can't change it. Don't worry. Ah, so okay. So it's not yeah. so much that we can't, it's that we shouldn't. It's that they don't want us to. Ah, they only want yeah. certain people to. The privileged yes. elite. The bureau. They only let the bureau. They only want Trump. Uh, yeah. Time travel. The, bu- the Bureau of Corrections. <laughs> okay. Well, there's that. All right. And, yep. uh, well, I think we've been going, it feels like we've been going for a while. Yeah, I forgot what our, t- our start time was. Yeah, though. Getting, getting close to the end here. I'm going to do this Nephilim update and then we'll wrap it up here. Okay. Sounds Nephilim good. Update, Nephilim update. Nephilim update. This is from the guardian via MSN.com. Once a goth, always a goth. Grace <laughs> Dent on her lifelong love affair with black. <laughs> Ooh. I'm not going to read the whole thing here, but it says, uh, if my good friends were to describe me, they'd say I clomp around most of the, the yeah, most of the time looking like Morticia Adams from the Adams mm-hmm. family there. Uh, she really likes black. And uh, in the article, how she talks about how she's ba- basically an adult goth. She mentions this draped on a chair in my bedroom. There's a gorgeously ghoulish pile of jeans Fitted tunic t-shirts and slouchy off-the-shoulder knitwear. All in, reassure, uh, all in reassuring shades of deepest noir. Elegant mm. cocooning black. I'll slide these garments on and feel more human. Everything else feels like cosplay. But this is much more like skin. Quote, once a goth, always a goth. I often Whoa. mutter when I glance in the mirror. Not much altered from the way I looked as a teenager. Uh, hanging about Carlisle Town Center with crimped hair, an armful of bangles, and a field of the Nephilim 12 inch in a carrier bag. Nephilim update, Nephilim update, Nephilim update. And of course, Field of the Nephilim is a, is a rock band or a metal band, a pretty, pretty uh-huh. gothish band there, but. Uh, you know, it's interesting how the Nephilim here is inspiring this woman to be a, a full-grown adult goth. Yeah, and, it's like uh, a Nephilim Nephilim update mixed with the uh, beast fashion. Yes. Oh, I should have pulled up the beast fashion. I don't have it on me. I don't think. I can. I can maybe look for it in a minute here. Oh, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. The the point being here that this sort of of speaks into what we uh, we've read about in the Book of Enoch, and yeah, it's not scripture, but. There's a section here in Enoch 8.1 where it says, And Azazel taught men to make swords and daggers and shields and breastplates, and he showed them the things after these, and the art of making them bracelets and ornaments, and the art of making up the eyes and of beautifying the eyelids, and the most precious stones and all kinds of colored dyes, and the world was changed. And so, you know, it's the, the fallen watchers, the ones that actually produced the Nephilim, that are uh, allegedly responsible for the whole idea of makeup and all this kind of stuff, which, you know, if you're talking about the goth culture is, uh, is, is, you know, it's drenched in makeup culture and dark eyeshadow and stuff like that. So 
Yeah, I just thought it was an interesting Nephilim update where the mention mm-hmm. of the Nephilim uh, has a more biblical significance than I'm sure this person, um, you know, the adult goth here, even realizes. And a little tell with their toting around the fields of Nephilim 12 inch in a carrier bag, which uh, <laughs> stuck in the 80s, I would say. Yeah, I was going to say, this person sounds like they got a lot of other stuff going on. <laughs> Or not a lot of other stuff going on. <laughs> yeah. Bored during the, the pandemic or something. Yeah. Or the scamdemic. Yeah. All like right. Well, it. very good, Gons. I think we did it. I think we did a show. We did a show. We did another one. 248 Yay. in the books. <laughs> yeah, it feels longer. Now that I'm actually looking at the time, it wasn't that long. No. It, was, it was long. Over two hours. Longish. Longer than usual. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. Remember... We need uh, producers for next show. Next show will be on Wednesday, September 30th, sometime between noon and 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Make sure to follow us on multiple platforms. Turn on notifications. You're going to want to do that because uh, you never know when a notification doesn't go through on a certain uh, unamiable platform. Um, and you again, remember to become a producer. There's a lot of ways to do that, but if you want to help us out financially, head over to patreon.com slash CCNT or canarycryradio.com slash support. Canarycryradio.com slash support. That's right. Remember, uh, canarycryradio.com slash support has PayPal options. You can uh, join up with a subscription or if commitment's not your thing, a one-time donation in any amount as well as cryptocurrency, stuff like that. I look forward uh, to seeing how creative people can get on those uh, financial producerships there. Remember, there's there's the ever-organic, ever-continuing 33 take-back uh, campaign and more excitingly the 750 uh trump tax donation that could be seven dollars <laughs> fifty cents maybe 75 dollars if you're feeling squirrely and if you're wanting to get close to your instant uh knighthood uh 750 dollars <laughs> will be exciting but that's okay whatever works for you um, please consider helping us out. And, you know, if helping us financially is not uh, in the cards for you, that's totally cool. Trust me, we understand. Um, but you can become a producer in many other ways. You can create art, you can create jingles, you can create songs, uh, show-related music. Uh, we'll be playing our, our Canary Cry mixtape at the end of the show, so make sure to stick around for that. Uh, all sorts of ways to uh, help produce the show. You can send materials to canarycryradio.com slash support nope that's wrong sorry <laughs> canarycryradio at gmail.com is the email canarycryradio that's, uh, that's, at gmail.com that's almost as bad as that biden flub you know where he's sorry. like hey call yeah. three zero <laughs> Three. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Zero, three, zero. Text Joe Biden to Joe. Look. Seven, seven. Look. Come on, man. (laughs) Look, you you know the thing. You know the thing. Sorry. I was switching. (laughs) I was switching tabs and I went on autopilot is what happened there. 
Um, anyways, there you go. Send uh, all your fun materials to canarycryradio at gmail.com. Thank you so much. And remember, I'll be reading uh, ratings and reviews this Friday. And I'm already excited because uh, I saw a couple of great ratings and reviews came in. And if you have not done it yet, please uh, search on your search bar. I'm just giving you the easy instructions. Search Canary Cry News Talk Apple Podcasts. And uh, the first uh, selection should be our apple podcast page leave a rating and a review there it's really a it's really important that we get ratings and reviews um to it just keeps us in the system uh keeps the algorithms sharing the show to people who have not heard it before um so please consider doing that i will be reading ratings and reviews on friday i'm excited thank you thank you thank you and uh you know one of the best ways to help the show out is just share an episode with a friend Maybe you have a friend who's interested in time travel or CERN or AI or any of the other crazy things we've talked about today. Um, Or maybe you just have a friend who's generally waking up and uh, they need sort of a gentle, a gentle uh, guide down that narrow path of truth. Um, Send them an episode, whether it's this episode, some other episode, something, and we'll be happy to uh, play a part in them waking up to see that the world is not what it seems. And uh, if you need any more instructions, here's what you do. You just walk right up to him, you grab him by the cage, and then you shake it. The end of the world occurred pretty much as we had predicted. I want to shake things up, stir up some controversy, rattle a few cages. Hey, stop that! Don't ever silence me. I'm the last angry man, a crusader for the little guy. Leave the bird alone. Never rattle a few cages. The human race will have every opportunity to improve. And if they don't? Ask Noah. That's right, just ask Noah. I'm seeing in the chat here, uh, actually Jay Vela is mentioning that uh, Anthony Patch has a channel on Twitch now. All right. And I, I th- it sounds like he's live right now. Um, so t- Twitch has an ability that I, I don't know how to use. I'll have to look into it where I can transfer all of our viewers over to Anthony. Um, but if you want to uh, check out Anthony Patch after the show, I'm sure just search Anthony Patch on Twitch and uh, check him out. And make sure you say that uh, Basil and Gons uh, sent you from Canary Cry Radio. Let him know. Let him know we're still watching him. Um, but other than that, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Please, one more reminder, please consider becoming a producer for next show, which is Wednesday, September 30th, sometime between noon and 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Any last words, Guns? Gotta get that hype, bro. <laughs> <laughs> No, where did that come from? <laughs> I have more clips of you. I have oh, more clips no. of you than you'd like to know or remember. Oh, <laughs> Gons has been clipping me again, folks. Don't believe it. It's deep fake. <laughs> deep fake. Okay. <laughs> Gotta get that hype, bro. Okay, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Canary Cry News Talk. Make sure to tune in next time. But until then, think outside the cage. Remember, reality is an illusion. The universe is a hologram. Bye, gold. Bye. I want to shake things up, shake things up. I want to shake things up, shake things up. <laughs> Leave the bird alone. I want to
wanna stir up some controversy. I wanna rattle a few cages. I wanna rattle a few cages. I'm the last angry man. You'll never silence I'm me. I'm the last angry man. Oh, 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 I I'm it. the last angry man. You'll never silence I'm me. I'm the last angry man. A crusader for the little guy. Little guy. Little guy. Well, we'll see about that. Whatever, Illuminati. Humans will be confined in a people's zoo. People, I'll keep you safe and